Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, March 15th. It's time for another episode of Destination Health. We've got a lot going on today. I've got Lauren joining me. I'm going to bring Lauren in right now. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Welcome back. Yes, it's good to be back. I thought I was going to be on vacation this week, but the weather was so bad over at the coast, we decided to keep working and maybe wait for it to clear up a little bit. So uh, we're, we're here working today. Uh, we've got a great guest. We've got a lot going on today. Great. Love it. So uh, I had the opportunity to meet our guest this past week. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Four Sigmatic was at the show. So, all right. So uh, let's just, let's jump in and get started today and uh, let's bring our guest in. We're going to bring in the founder and CEO of Four Sigmatic, Taro Isocopola. Taro, did I butcher that too bad? No, that's an A plus effort. You did really well. Excellent. I've been sweating about that all Great. morning. <laughs> no, you, you aced it. All right, good. So uh, it was great getting to meet you last week. What a what great timing that was. Did you guys have a good show? Yeah, it was a great National Product Expo West, but it's a zoo. So like you meet all, all these amazing people, but it's chaotic by every standard imagination. <laughs> I'll bet. How many, is, how many times have you been to that show? I've done it 10 years now, but two of the years because of the COVID, they canceled it. I would have gone anyway. But, exactly. Uh, so eight, eight, eight times in the last 10 years, every time they've allowed me in the house. <laughs> yeah, we, we love that. So that was our first time. Um, I was shocked by the size of the show and, and where it was, and it was a little hectic and it was kind of confusing the first, you know, couple of days, we didn't really know what was going on. And then we thought we were done with the show and we had missed one whole wing. The reason we found that wing was I was looking for you. I said, Hey, wait a minute, we can't leave. There's some people we have to go see. And then we found that wing. we're like, how did we miss this? We missed that whole building. Yeah, there's a lot there in that building. A lot of people have the opposite. They find that building first, and then they think that's all the show. And then they go next door, and there's like eight times more <laughs> next door. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. So uh, it was interesting for us. You know, I don't know what I expected. I guess I expected to find a ton of new products, and, and we really didn't, but we're pretty picky. I mean, we have a very, very long list of criteria um, if we're going to put something in the store. So we made a couple good contacts, found a couple of new products. I, I was surprised, you know, when they call it a, I guess I didn't know what to expect. What does the word natural mean with food anyway? I guess it doesn't really have much of a meaning, but uh, I, I was a, a little shocked that at some of the quality of the food there wasn't what I was would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the word natural, like you said, has kind of lost its meaning or maybe another way to say it is that it means very different things to different people. Yeah. So if you go to Walmart and you look at natural products, it's different than if you go to your local co-op at what a natural product means. 
And I think there's also differences between categories. What's um, natural in one category and might not be natural in the other one. And, um, you know, we humans don't eat labels. So be it labeled paleo or vegan or keto. We don't eat those labels. And so it all comes down to what our bodies can recognize and take advantage of. So it, you know, it's, isn't it kind of crazy that we consider ourselves the smartest organism on the planet, but we seem to be the only organism on the planet that doesn't know what we're supposed to eat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wrote this book that was unpublished. It was somewhat controversial book in my early twenties, the philosophy book, which is probably better than it was never published because, uh, you know, at your twenties, what do I understand about philosophy? <laughs> but there was a chapter there that there is, there's no overweight tigers in the jungle. And then if you leave actually wild animals, like truly wild animals, and you let them have as much food as they want, they're not going to overeat. But somehow us humans, domesticated um, beings have kind of forgotten that ancient tradition. Yeah, we sure have. You know, did did I read this correctly on, on the website? Did you really grow up on a farm that had been in the family for 13 generations? Yeah, or technically 12, and then me and my brother are now the 13th. Uh, so a few years ago, um, we passed it on from my, my parents to me and my brother. But it's been with the family at least since 1619. We don't know any further. Wow. Finland, <clears throat> where the farm is in Northern Europe, is was 600 plus years part of Sweden. We still speak Swedish as our second language. And then it was 100 years part of the former Russia um, with the chars and everything. And it's been independent for about 100 years. So um, during those times, a lot of documents were burned. Our old capital was a wooden city that burned. So we only know until 1619, at least, at least 13 generations. Wow. I got That's thinking, incredible. it is incredible. And I got thinking about it. I don't believe there is any land here in the United States that has been farmed for 13 generations. We haven't been around long enough to have 13 generations. Exactly. And Prior to us, the inhabitants didn't really farm. I know they had some agriculture, but they moved around a lot. So that that doesn't even exist in this country. The best anecdote I've heard around this for the difference between Europe and the United States is that in in United States, 100 years is a long time. In Europe, it's not. And in Europe, 100 miles is a long distance. And in the U.S., it's not. So in 100 miles, you can go through two countries at times. Um, here, it's like a blip. It's a little mini road trip. Uh, so I think that's the difference between time and distance. Yeah. I ju- well, I just drove through L.A., there and back, and I'm pretty sure it was more than a hundred miles just in LA. Yeah, although sometimes in LA you spend two hours on uh, 25 miles. So. Well, yeah, maybe um, that's what it was. Just yeah. felt like it because <laughs> it took so long. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know that that um, that whole concept of just you know that that much time. I love that analogy though of the the time and the distance. Uh, but that much time on a farm. So what was it like 
growing up. It had to be such a unique experience for, from what, you know, we know here well, in this country. Here's the two things that I try to explain to people. It was a totally normal childhood. Like, like I didn't know any better. There was internet didn't come until much later. So maybe through TVs and movies, I saw different worlds outside, but those didn't feel real. Like when I watched the movie, so that was all I knew. So it was a totally normal childhood. And I don't know if this is just, you know, if you grew up in a cult somewhere, you still think it's a normal childhood. <laughs> that's the only world you know, right? Right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> not, not that growing up in a farm is anything like growing up in a cult, but that was like totally normal. And it wasn't until my late teens and early 20s, I started, um, I moved away from Finland. I lived in different countries. At that time, my parents were still the main farmers and I get galley ones around the world. Um, and I, I came to realize that not everybody grew up drinking spring water or, you know, like whatever it may be. But I have to say it's a lot of hard work. I meet, um, you know, these days I spend way too much time in large cities trying to advocate mushrooms and a healthy living. And I meet people who romanticize about living in a farm, people who grew up in New York and they're like, oh, I just want to buy a farm in upstate New York or <laughs> whatever it may be. Yeah. And they're like, it would be such a great life. I could just farm a little bit. And it is a great life living off the land and being close to nature. If that's not your sole income, but uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of work, and everybody who's grew up on a corner farm or been an extended time on a farm, there's a lot of stress about yield or finances. And our farm, that is just around 900 acres, was a big farm when I was a, when I was a child. Now it's a teeny tiny farm. So farm sizes have exploded in just in my lifetime, and a lot of farmers are in serious debt. And you take debt for seeds, you take debt for equipment or facilities, you want to expand your operation to break even. And it's very stressful and it's a lot of work and you definitely work weekends all the time and early mornings and late evenings. And if you would try to get an hourly pay for those hours, you're definitely making <laughs> less than minimum salary in most cases. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I have this, I have been thinking about this a lot lately, though. You think about that life, and like you say, it was a struggle. It was stressful. And I, a couple of years ago, well, actually, when they locked us all down and there was no place to go and nothing to do, I decided I was going to really get into gardening. I've played around with it my whole life. I, I Maybe I have that same romantic notion. I want to live off the land and be self-sufficient. And I've attempted it here and there and, you know, to the, the typical at spring, there's a bunch of plants at the local hardware store. So you buy a bunch and you put them in the ground and most of them die. And But this time I thought, I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to research. I'm going to learn. And it has become a, almost an obsession. Um, I keep taking out more lawn and buying more land and expanding my garden. My neighbors are starting to call it a, a mini farm. Um, but that... that you know, just the the idea of, and I really started studying, and this is what I got thinking about with the 13 generations. I really got started studying 
the the horrible way we farm in this country. You know, you talked about farm sizes exploding, and after World War II, the way we farmed in this country changed drastically. Uh, and now we look at this soil that requires all kinds of chemicals just to grow things in. And um, I started studying, you know, regenerative soil. And we've had um, several people on the show. Joel Salatin's been on the show many times. And uh, I read Gabe Brown's book on uh, dirt to soil. And I, I'm just shocked at the difference in what I've been able to do with the soil here and how it changed. Where I live, we have horrible, we'll just call it dirt. Uh, It's dirt with a lot of rocks. And I've just been able to transform that into the soil that grows things just, it's amazing. I can't imagine what, you know, after 13 years of farming the right way, um, what that soil and land was like. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like, uh, even though I said it was a lot of work, there's very few things more satisfying in life than um, growing your own food. And I think every person, wherever they live, should at the bare minimum be growing like herbs and stuff. Right. And it is so satisfying and so rewarding. There's just a difference when that becomes your sole income and you're not just growing food for yourself, but you're also trying to produce and sell it for others for whatever may be to pay for fuel or internet or whatever the expenses may be. Um, And you're touching upon something really important is, is one of the lessons my father taught me when I was young was that in nature, a quarter is 25 years, not three months like at Wall Street. Wow. And that's the first time you get your report card. Like the first report card you get is in 25 years. And the reason is exactly what you said is the soil. And it is quite easy, actually, to grow for few seasons. Um, and it's just, it's just like it, the deposits higher than the withdrawals and in a way nature is like a bank account and are you are you adding stuff or are you taking away and that can catch up to you real quick and i think that's what's happened mostly in the united states yeah you know i i started on the garden story i actually had a point to it and i wandered off and totally missed my point uh, my point was going to be that it, it is really hard. It's a lot of work, a lot of physical labor. It's a lot of time it takes to do it all. Uh, and then there's that that risk of the weather. And I don't depend on the food I grow in the back. I grow a lot of food now, and I love it. I, we give it away to food banks. And, I mean, this year I'm actually thinking we might do a little uh, farmer's market stuff. We've been growing so much. But I also realize nice. how— how um, how risky it is that, you know, one year spring, you know, was really cold and wet and everything changed. And, it, you know, I was getting to the point where I almost kind of thought I knew what I was doing until the weather changed. And then you have to react and you only have so much time. I mean, at some point the season's over and you either produced food or you didn't. And the weather is, is a huge factor. And I started, you know, really trying to, to feel what that must have felt like when you were depending on that for your food and, like you said, for some income. What a, what a crazy life. But I, I wonder, 
you know, I, I look around at what's happened in our country, in our world in the last couple of years and keep reading all these stories about how mental health that has deteriorated so rapidly in people and especially in our kids. We're worried about them. And I just, I, I think, and I don't, I don't know how we use this information or what good it does us, but I, I have to believe the further we get away from that kind of lifestyle, the, the less happy we are. I, I don't think all these comforts, you know, we, we look at that lifestyle and you look back mm-hmm. and you think it was so difficult. It must have been miserable living like that. I, I don't believe that. I don't think there was a time where human existence was miserable. And if it was, we created those conditions. You know, I think the, the way of nature is that we, we would be happy whether it was difficult or risky yeah. or, or not. And maybe maybe it was the difficulty and the risk that made us happy. Maybe we've made ourselves so comfortable with so little risk now that, that we can't be happy like this. Yeah, adversity and stress are not bad. They're actually required. And there is in physiology, anatomy, uh, there is concepts of use stress and distress, distress being the bad kind of stress and stress is the good kind of stress. And the idea, I think the easiest anecdote of that you can think of it is through the gym. You know, people are familiar with that concept that if you lift heavy things, you become stronger. Or if you, you know, run cardio, you become better at, you know, endurance exercises, you get better. Temporarily, you put yourself to be weaker and you challenge it. And that's actually the same with the brain. If you practice Sudoku or do puzzles or learn new languages or travel or whatever it may be, you use your brain. You challenge your brain to be, to be better. You, you become better. So that's the same with life. I think we're required to have adversity. Life is not supposed to be easy. And, uh, yeah, so you were saying something. Yeah, I'm sorry. A, a couple of things came to mind there. Um, it's interesting, and I, I'm sure a lot of my listeners caught it. I've been working for the last couple of years on a stress protocol to try to help people with stress because we've we've seen the destruction it's done to their health. We've watched people get really healthy over the last eight years. We're teaching them about you know nutrition and lifestyle, and then we watched people start to backslide. And at first we thought, you know, well, they're probably not eating the way they should. And it turns out they, that wasn't it at all. It was the stress of, of what's happened the last couple of years. And the analogy you just used was kind of the big breakthrough for me when I started to think of it as a stress muscle. And we, were, we use that term now. It's a, a stress muscle and we have to build it and make it stronger just like we would a, a physical muscle. And a lot of our approach to stress seems to be the opposite. Most of our approach to stress seems to be mm-hmm. you need to meditate more, you need to get out in nature more. All those things are fine, but I think we missed a huge point in that a lot of people have a very weak stress muscle. And if all they do is try to avoid stress, it just continues to get weaker. Totally true. And if you look at people who were, for example, born or grew up disabled, or there are people that are, let's say they have Down syndrome, those tend to be happy people. You go to a third world country. I 
I lived briefly in the Philippines, and there's this place outside of Manila, um, Smoky Mountains. It's basically a dump site where people live on this dump site. Happy, happy people, right? So, like, I have one good summary about happiness is what is happiness is um, the reality versus expectations. And if the expectations are really high, no matter what reality is, so adversity gives perspective and gratitude. And, you know, you get that vitamin G, the vitamin of gratitude, and that helps a lot. And I think the big thing, though, is adversity, yes, and then you need to recover from it. But having that purpose, that North Star, whatever that is for you. And for some people, a long time ago, it was you know, providing for family or faith, whatever it is, like that was the North Star. And I think in our current society, many people don't have a North Star or it's a very shallow one, like chasing money or whatever it is. And then they get there and there's a, there's a really good quote from this rapper, Nas, that says, um, when they make the whip you like, the chip thing, right? But when you can finally afford it, the car ain't important. And I think that's, in a way, also a summary about the modern society. And, and having uh, a purpose or a mission, a uh, reason to exist that is bigger than yourself and is not material, I think is very important to get you through the adversity and help you get stronger with that stress muscle. You know, I, I've been talking about this a lot lately because of all the reports coming out of, of our teenagers and our children right now, how they're struggling and how they have mental health issues and were a lot of suicide attempts. And um, your idea that, that you just talked about, uh, and I believe this, that it's reality versus expectations. And, and why can some people be so happy when we look at them and say, but they have nothing um, and yet they're happy. And if you look at what we've done, you know, I kind of grew up in the 80s. I became an adult and that was the kind of the generation of excess here. And um, but a lot of us in that generation, because we wanted that that dream we were being shown, um, we were really dedicated to some sort of work or a business. I know I have. I started working when I was 13 uh, and I hardly take vacations. You know, I, I, I work a lot. Um, I don't think that's the best way to live. I think there's there's better, but I think what we've done to this next generation is even worse. They they are kind of we've heard this you know quiet quitting and and dropping out of the workforce and maybe just doing just enough gig work to to get by. It's no wonder that they're unhappy, and it's what you just said. They have no purpose anymore. We in my generation, our purpose was work. It, it may be too much, but not maybe definitely too much. We, we lost the balance of, you know, work and life. And, mm-hmm. but we had that purpose of work that I think at least kept us, you know, with our head down and kept us somewhat sane. And now that they're kind of stepping away from that, I, it's like, where are they going to go? What is their purpose? And I think without that, they're really struggling. Yeah. There's a really relevant uh, tangent on this, and it's this current legislation about four-day work week, which I think a lot of people misunderstand. It's 
I think four, 10 hour work days. But this, anyways, opening up this to- point that what is the end purpose here? And the end purpose is the end purpose to work less. I think everybody will agree it's not. It's about happiness, fulfillment, you know, things like that. And there's plenty of studies to now show that people who retire early, let's say they retire at 53, um, they have, they die younger, they have uh, more mental health issues, and there's societies that work less. And in those countries, you run into various kind of issues. So, yeah, it's not doing anything or imagining that you work hard and then retire and then it ends is, I think, fool's gold. And we're meant to be busy. We're meant to have adversity. You just want the adversity to matter. Like if you're in a cubicle, you know, punching in documents <laughs> right. and you're not feeling fulfilled, that, that's yeah. not good either. Right. Um, but if you do something you love, um, I don't know who it was one of the Greek philosophers, Aristotle, whoever gets credit. It's like if you do what you love, you're never going to have to work one day in your life anymore. Um, so... I think the purpose is more important than the work hours, and and I think that's that's just the critical factor that we've lost. Is you know, yeah. I I also think that we've lost what purpose really means. I, doesn't purpose have to involve other human beings? I mean, don't shouldn't we all be doing something, striving to do something that helps us, helps mankind or the planet? Or I I, I think that that what the purpose is matters. And I think we've gotten away from that. We're here to serve others. Yeah, I, I, I do strongly believe that all happiness is derived through community and other people. Um, but at the end of the day, everybody can decide whatever meaning means to them, what is purpose to them. I think I'm a huge believer and just, you know, you do what you do. Um, I would just you know, encourage people to think what feels right to them. That's something that is um, sustainable. But yeah, my personal belief is that real happiness requires community and other people. And if, um, yeah. So if you're, you scream in the forest yeah. and there's nobody to hear it, <laughs> you actually scream. So. Yeah. Oh boy. You're going back to that philosophy book now. Yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll stop right there. <laughs> so here's something that uh, that has me a little concerned. If we look at what has happened to us physically, you know, being on the farm, um, I, I've talked about the, the fact that just gardening um, really, so I, I believe a lot when we talk about food or health that we have become unhealthy because we've got away from the way we evolved that, you know, we evolved eating a certain way, moving a certain way, sleeping a certain way, and we've gotten so far away from that, that that's really what has led to our poor health outcomes, a big part of it, diet being a big part of it, but also just physical movement, and we try to make up for it in a gym, which is pretty unnatural. And I started looking at gardening, and I thought, you know what, this is about as close of an activity as you're going to get to even hunter-gatherer kind. You know, it's not 20 minutes of real high intensity and then nothing, or it's this kind of constant movement throughout the day, some lifting, some bending, a lot of, of really 
natural movements. And, and I think we've lost a lot of that and that's certainly hurt our health. But I just got thinking about something. You know, we, we lost a lot of our physical abilities and, and we suffer because of it, because we've mm-hmm. allowed machines to do a lot of the work that we used to do. And I don't mean the big heavy stuff. I just mean opening your garage door and digging a trench, you know, with a shovel, not a machine, or even, I mean, we don't even screw screws in anymore. We use electric screwdrivers. We don't even have that little bit of physical movement anymore. And we've suffered because of that. Now I'm starting to think this latest explosion of AI Really, what that's doing is mm-hmm. we're going to stop using our brain for a lot of things. This AI is already really good at doing some, you know, kind of brain work. I think about something I don't like to do. I hate writing copy. I don't like to write much of anything. I, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things I want to get out of my head, but I'd rather say them. I don't writing to me is a real struggle. And I I can already see where AI writes better than I do, much faster. But is it really good to start down that path? I I worry about that. What's going to happen to our brains? Yeah. And I would add a very critical function to that, like a factor of time. Us humans have proven over a long, long time that we're excellent at adapting. And I do believe that we can and will adapt. The problem is that we don't adapt in 100 years or even 200 years. We're talking thousands, tens of thousands, or in our existence, a couple hundred thousand years. Yeah. So when we introduce these niche foods into our diet that our digestive tract doesn't recognize and, and we swallow our medicine and don't taste it, um, these things that are still foreign to the body. So the body's like struggling to recognize them, right? And um, it can get confused. Similarly, as staring at a screen, which is like a fixed distance. Our eyes have not yet evolved to stare at a fixed point for hours upon hours, right? Yeah. And we're used to like adjusting our vision to like close and far, and now we don't practice that anymore. So I think our eye health is deteriorating. There's a bunch of examples. Similarly, I think you mentioned one of the most important ones is that, you know, people say sitting is the new form of smoking. And as I'm talking to you, I'm walking. I use stand-up desk or I go for long walks uh, while I take meetings because, like, just being on your feet, low-level activity, everybody can do it all day long. It's incredibly important to have that eight to 10,000 steps a day. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. Like I, I do believe we can adapt to incredible things, but I don't think it happens in a generation or two. And I always think of this, I think it's a Pixar movie called WALL-E. I don't know, have you seen that, that one? Somewhat of a children's movie, but it's incredible how there are these, you know, obese people who like computers have done everything for them and they're just sitting in their chairs. Uh, and I think it's a good story in a way, like what could happen if we're not careful when we use computers and technology for everything. Mm-hmm. I saw that movie. That was, we brought that up a long, a long time ago, but um, the photos, like I took screenshots of what the people look like who live in the space shuttle and they're no longer on earth 
and they're literally stuck in these reclining floating chairs and the way they move around is with just with their fingertips and if they fall out of the chair they can't get back up because they're literally just a blob they're completely helpless that's exactly. scary yeah it's very yeah. <laughs> frightening <laughs> All right, oh, yeah. uh, Lauren, what else you got? I was just getting ready to, to tell you to jump in here and because uh, we're about to switch gears here. So before we do, uh, Lauren, do you have anything else? Well, just on that last um, kind of topic, I think the whole idea is, you know, you have to move it or you lose it. So move it or lose it, people. <laughs> if you don't use it, whether it's your brain, whether it's your body, you are not going to have the capacity to keep the functions that it's meant to have. And it's so true. I feel like we are kind of on that road. So if you haven't seen Wally, I highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Watch, go watch Wally. And I know people have, there's, you know, we have genetics or lifestyle things that caught us at this point. So let's say you're listening to this and your news operating. Um, Get it. Start slow, small, like small increments, but walk. Like if you don't use those knees or hips or whatever it is, shoulders, they're going to get worse. So find the smallest activity that you can do pain-free and start doing that regularly and then build up from there. Like you don't have to be a superhuman on day one. And I think those are the unrealistic expectations as well. That's a good point. Yeah. It really is. So, Taro, let's uh, let's get down to uh, maybe the main topic of today. Um, when did you realize that your life was going to be about fungus? <laughs> I, I I had a lot of clues early on, but I was not smart enough to understand them. So, both growing up in a farm and learning about um, fungi or mushrooms and and natural living came naturally to me and. And I randomly even won this innovation award for discovering a, a mushroom. Uh, but it wasn't until kind of my mid-20s when I'd had it, the, the message sent to me so many times that I was finally like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it took me a while. Like sometimes what you're looking for is right in front of you, but you can't see it. And, and I didn't like as a kid plan to dedicate my life to fungi and mushrooms, but it was just, it was just the thing that kept coming back. And what was cool about them is that no matter how much I studied about them, I realized that I know even less. <clears throat> so they've always like surprised me and taught me new things. And I appreciate that a lot, but um, yeah, that's, that's somewhere in like mid twenties after good 15 years of messages coming through. Got it. So, you know, one of the things when we had um, had Danielle on, we talked about the book and I, I really want to talk about the book because um, there's a phrase and I don't know who said it the first time and I'll probably butcher it, but it, it's the, the premise is basically that any idiot can complicate things, but it takes a real genius to make them simple. And when it comes to the human body and health and nutrition, I, I've said that we could go down this path of how complicated all of this is. You look at things in the human body like the Krebs cycle and you think, 
How are you ever going to get your head around how complicated the human body seems to be if it doesn't have this nutrient, it can use this one, and there's all these complicated processes. And that's just, you know, you could look at just one thing. How does the liver function? And you could spend a lifetime on it. And yet, I've said that as complicated as the human body is, the owner's manual should only be one page. I mean, we should be able to really simplify this. We lived really well for a long, long time without understanding any of this. And now it seems like the more understanding we have, the more confused and, and complicated things get. But um, it, it, it's your book, and the, I want to bring that back. Your book finally started to make sense for me with adaptogens. You took something that can be extremely complicated and hard to explain. I'm not even sure if we completely understand it. And you made it simple and, and easy to understand. Yeah, I heard a long time ago this quote that um, you become an expert at something by studying a lot as much as possible, but you get paid or hired as an expert because you make it very, very simple. And I think that's true for a lot of things in life. And, uh, and the health is, I mean, human body is so complex, we will not figure it out. And, and already the things that we have figured out are so complicated to talk about, like you mentioned prep cycle, but that already has three different names. So like, <laughs> right. you know, like you can get, you have to just to learn one thing by on a, on a title level, you have to memorize three different names. And then to understand the chemical reactions that happen is a real head scratcher and takes years. And even at that core level, we don't fully understand the mitochondria. So how are you a busy parent or someone working? How are you going to figure this out? And, and the good news is that we pretty much have most of the answers, not all of the answers, but most of the answers are very simple. And, uh, it's just that simple doesn't always sell. And, and, uh, Simple is, is sometimes not as sexy. Um, and the other part is that some of the simple things that were simple to our ancestors are not simple to us anymore because we've gone so far from it. So, you know, things like herbs and spices, you know, they start to get complicated when you start to talk like, why would I use parsley or oregano or what is black pepper good for? And, and it get, becomes confusing because like we've completely isolated ourselves from that world. Um, but I would say the good news is that you don't need to learn complex physiology and anatomy and you don't need to learn about advanced nutrition. Like at the end of the day, it comes down to a few simple bullet points that give you at least 80% of the results. So if not more. Good point. Um, you know, I think one of the things the book really helped me with, because, you know, if you're studying nutrition in, in any way, you, I kept coming across this term adaptogen. And, and I thought, well, you know, it has a different name, a different term. What, what really is an adaptogen? And I, I wasn't able to ever come up with a, like a clear definition of what this, what, what's this group of things, you know, we have macronutrients and micronutrients and minerals and vitamins and all these other things. But what's this adaptogen thing? It just wasn't making sense to me. And then, you know, there are a lot of products on the market, say like a, uh, a 
holy basil tea. So you think, okay, that's got, that's an adaptogen and here's some tea. And if I drink this tea, what happens? And nothing, nothing really happens if you drink a little holy basil tea now and then. Um, And and so I kept thinking, I, I don't get it. And I don't really see any results from these. And your book really helped clear that up. Um, there are a lot of products on the market that can say they have adaptogens and they're completely worthless, right? It's the amount, the quality, there's so much more to this. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, first of all, like, instead of talking about adaptogens, we can first summarize that there are these nanonutrients to use your anecdote. So we have macronutrients, um, so proteins or amino acids, fats or lipids, and then carbs, or this forms of sugars. And those three are the macro big nutrients. I would actually put salt as the fourth macronutrient personally. And then we have these micronutrients that are vitamins and minerals. But then our human body is so complex that we actually, some of the best effects we can get are from these nanonutrients that don't really fall in line with the macro or micro and they're tiny little compounds that have a big effect on our human human body and performance. And many of us consume those nanonutrients on a daily basis. I would say like caffeine, for example, is not, even though there's some like trace amounts of certain kinds of lipids in, um, in coffee, the caffeine molecules or these molecules like uh, nicotine and tobacco or whatnot have a huge impact on our body. And what adaptogens are is fundamentally these nanonutrients that are safe. So some of these nanonutrients are not safe. They're either addictive or stimulated. And nanonutrients are incredibly uh, These adaptogens are like these nanonutrients that are safe on an everyday use that restore balance. They are like the regenerative farming. But what's similar to regenerative farming and adaptogens is that if you farm the right way, you're probably going to have a smaller yield on year one. So if you take a synthetic pharmaceutical, you might get an effect in 15 minutes guarantee, but you're paying the price later with the side effects or whatever it may be. So similarly with adaptogens, with maybe a couple of notable exceptions that work very quickly, you know, your year one yield from the farm is okay and good, but the good news is that you're regenerating the soil. So every year, <clears throat> the yield gets bigger. So the longer you farm the right way, the better things will get and you get synergy. And that's how adaptogens work, is that the more you put them into your body, these nanonutrients that are safe, you will have a regenerative process. And unfortunately, like you said, we've had this evolution for many, many, many centuries as humans where every the next generation was better than we have and now we have degenerative diseases blowing up so we're actually getting worse and for the first time in modern time our life expectancy is actually declining here in the u.s for the last few years we're living shorter where every other generation before was living longer and longer so that's what adaptogens are in a simple way and putting into your body will reap tons of benefits, but when you take something natural and safe, you're not going to get those instantaneous results that you can get from synthetic isolated compounds, but those isolated compounds come with a risk, and same with those stimulating herbs, they you pay the price later, and with adaptogens, you don't. 
Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And one of the first projects, you know, we kind of took on around adaptogens. I had Danielle work with me on on sleep. You know, I had been working on stress and stress and sleep go hand in hand. If you're too stressed, you don't sleep well. When you don't sleep well, you're more stressed. can become a, a, a vicious circle. Uh, and once I understood it and started to see the changes that came with regular everyday use of good quality adaptogens and in, in the right amounts. And I, I started to see and feel the change. The The word that kind of came to mind was normalize. It, it felt like things were becoming more normal again. I wasn't in this constant, you know, wired and tired mode. I, I was always tired, but I was never sleepy. My mind wouldn't stop. And you just tend to go downhill and you talk about, you know, there are other things you can lean on alcohol or sleeping pills or these things that you get an instant response to. We take them, we feel them, we know they work, but the downside just is not worth it. And the the one thing I've had to try to explain to people when we're using adaptogens in this way is that this isn't a product you take and then feel sleepy and fall asleep. That, that, and that's what everybody's looking for. The transition is you have to get away from all those crutches that you feel right away, but you know, you're, over time you just deteriorate more and more. And you've just got to push through this. You, you, the, these aren't going to make you sleepy, but you'll realize at some point things got better. I just had this conversation yesterday, a good friend of mine, um, and he's one of our co-hosts here on the show. He does a show every Tuesday. He struggled with sleep, and I've been helping him with this. And yesterday he said, you know, he was ordering more of the uh, the uh, cacao, the calm with the reishi. And he said, I, I, I get it now. He said, it took a while, but now I feel the difference. I, I feel that calm, that, that more normal, um, you know, kind of in the evening, he starts to get sleepy, but that, that's the hardest thing I have to convince people using these adaptogens. You don't get that instant response. This is, but it's going to normalize mm -hmm. things over time. And from some people get it on day one, but most people start to notice results in seven days. But we live in a society where people don't have seven days. Yeah, right. So seven days every evening, you drink a hot chocolate. It tastes delicious, and you replace. And that hot chocolate happens to have a reishi mushroom or ashwagandha. And by day five, six, seven, you're starting to notice that you consistently are sleeping better. But we don't have five, six, seven days to wait in many cases. But that's what gets us into trouble. We have very little patience, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's a problem in our entire society. We could probably, well, I'm sure we could write an entire book just on that, that, that we have become so impatient uh, in this country. We want instant <laughs> results on everything, and it, it's just never a good approach. Yeah. I mean, the good news is... Um, a lot of these adaptogens can be hidden into existing routines. Obviously, Four Sigmatic is very famous for the coffees um, and 
tens of thousands of people love the flavor. It looks like, you know, coffee, you mix it. There's most of the products have some caffeine, so you get a little bit of an uplift, but you start hiding those products in. So I feel like a lot of people start dieting or other by saying what they cannot have. And sometimes while that could be effective, um, you know, mentally it's easier to think about what can I add or upgrade? Like just keep the diet as is and can I add a 10 minute walk after every meal? And, or can I add adaptogens or mushrooms into my coffee? Can I add a delicious hot chocolate that helps me sleep better in the evening? And, and that might be an easier way to get started. And once you get momentum, then it's, it's easier to do other changes later. Yeah, that's a good point. And we we really did start this based on the the stress and sleep issue, and and um, the routine is really paying off. And I, I'll tell you, the routine I developed for myself, and it's kind of what I share with people, and then say, but you know, look, here's the other products. Experiment, play around with with what you like. But my routine was we. Uh, my wife, Lisa, and I is doing it as well and got the same results. We switched our morning caffeinated coffee to the uh, decaf, your decaf coffee with the Rishi. And then in the evening, I added a an evening drink, which is one packet of the Rishi cacao and one packet of the um, Calm Elixir. And then I mix that with a little bit of heavy cream and a little bit of raw honey. That is the most incredible drink. It's so deep and rich and creamy and it tastes amazing. But between that routine, um, getting rid of the caffeine in the morning, taking a break from caffeine. And I don't think caffeine's necessarily bad. I just think we need to, to if we're going to use it, we need to manage it somewhat. And unfortunately, we get to the point where you know, in this country, you start off drinking one cup of coffee and it makes you feel good. And pretty soon you're drinking four or five. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, now you're getting the negative side effects from that much caffeine. And um, it, to move away from caffeine, take a break from it once in a while. Then when I use it, it becomes more effective. You know, if I, I really want to work on mm -hmm. a project, a little bit of caffeine really helps my my mind. But you've got to take a break from it. So that was the routine we came up with. Um, around the the stress and sleep issue, and it's it's working incredible. I mean, we've had a lot of people really see the difference. And like you said, I think that seven day number is kind of when people really start to feel things. Yeah, that's my experience. Again, like there are people that have adrenal fatigue, or they're so stressed out, and they drink a couple of the greasy cacao or the calm elixir and they uh and they uh immediately feel it but most people it takes around that um five six seven days and and then they start to really notice it now the effects might start earlier but we might not be tuned enough to notice them because they are regenerative and subtle um, but yeah that's what i recommend is is a little bit of patience with a lot of these natural things, and this is true for not just adaptogens, but many other things, is um, just a few days of consistent practice or use makes a huge difference. Like drinking more water is like, I think you add uh, 
an extra 12 ounces of water every day to whatever you're already drinking. And I think by day three, four, five, you start to notice that you feel slightly better. Well, well, you know, one of the things that happens when I added that evening drink that I wasn't drinking before, that's 12 to 14 more ounces of water in that drink. And I noticed it changed my hydration levels. I had gotten into patterns and um, adding that evening drink changed the hydration level as well. So that, you know, we we talk about the, the stress we were you know, primarily focused on the, the Rishi, you mentioned ashwagandha. What are some of the other areas that adaptogens help us in? You've, I, I love the way you've, you've created your products and put them into those categories that kind of tell us what this group of adaptogens does. Explain that to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, generally, again, to make it super complex, something that can be super complicated and just super simple is, is we're talking things around stress. So adaptogens are natural compounds that help you support and manage stress. So there's a, basically three occasions around stress. You know, when you're preparing or defending against future stress, then there's the actual moment when you are stressed and you're trying to improve your performance. And then there's the recovery of previous stress and they're all equally important and they kind of hit different systems of the body so the body has 11 systems we don't need to get into it but when you want to get your body strong against future stress things like immunity and gut health are very important right those are important factors when you have a healthy gut you are better at managing stress whenever it hits but when you are under stress you want your cardiovascular system so your performance to improve, uh, your cognitive function needs to be better. And so energy and cognitive function are important. And then when you try to recover from stress, then it's important to think about things like mood and sleep. And these adaptogens, although they're very versatile, can be divided into these three buckets. And things that you take before and during and after stress. And the key point is you don't need to learn um, 20 adaptogens. You can just learn two. And you don't need to start with all three occasions. Maybe you start, like you said, the morning and evening. And you start, like, what can I take in the morning? And what can I take just before going to bed? And even if you choose just one of those, it can have a significant impact and get you moving towards the right direction. I love that. And I, I love the the range of products you've given us. The new creamers are excellent. The uh, elixirs, the, the cacao is my favorite. I'm just, uh, I, I love chocolate to begin with. And um, one of the first products that really, you know, got my attention of yours was the, uh, the chocolate. I'm a, I, I absolutely love dark chocolate. And, the, you know, when you first hear mushrooms and coffee or mushrooms and chocolate. I, I have to admit, it didn't really inspire me a lot. Uh, it sounded like a really odd couple of combinations, but I, I am a believer now. Sure. Those those flavor profiles go so well together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think when you hear mushroom coffee or mushroom chocolate or, um, yeah, it's, it's, for most 
people understand it, it feels weird. Because like I said, like we've forgotten what our ancestors did and and particularly Daniel Saxon culture is mycophobic. There's a fear of fungi. But <laughs> fungi are everywhere. They're in our gut, in our skin. There are we need fungi to create beer, wine, bread, cheese. Every plant requires them. So they're they're an important kingdom. But Particularly these type of fungi that we're talking about are like these functional mushrooms that grow on trees. They don't grow on the ground usually. And they're very bitter. They're very, very bitter. And it happens to be that us uh, over the last couple of generations have completely forgotten bitters. And and bitters are good for your health. And some people say the bitter, the better. And, um, but there are a few bitters that we as modern humans love. And those are coffee and chocolate. So putting other bitter things along with coffee and chocolate fits perfectly with the flavor profile. And if you know what you're doing, you're not even going to notice. We've done thousands upon thousands of blind tests and time after time, people drink the coffee or eat the chocolate and they have no clue that there's mushrooms in it. Yeah, exactly. And the, um, the mushrooms we're talking about too, I guess, um, are not the typical mushrooms, you know, Americans are used to. It's not the stuff you're seeing in grocery stores. You, you may occasionally run across some of these um, mushrooms, but they're they're pretty rare to see them fresh uh, here in the U.S., right? Yeah, sometimes in a farmer's market or somewhere you find mushrooms like lion's mane, and lion's mane growth in the natively in the Northeast of the United States and can be cultivated in pretty much every city or state, but it's a specialty mushroom as they call it. Um, some people, and you know, besides like farmer's markets and specialty stores, you're unlikely to see it sold. And, and uh, But it is incredibly good for memory and co cognitive health. And uh, it's definitely a mushroom lion's name that you should get to know. Yes, I agree. Lauren, anything else before we uh, we wrap this up and let Taro get on with his day today? Yeah, I do actually have a question that came in from, um, you know, one of our members here. And from what from the research I did, um, I didn't think it would pose much of an issue. But I'm, I'm curious to know Taro's um you know, opinion on it. Basically, you know, we talk a lot and quite um, recently, actually, we've been talking a lot more about anti-nutrients in plant foods. And um, we had Sally Fallon on talking about um, oxalates and things of that nature. And I was just wondering, does, does that pose any concern in the adaptogen world? Um, any anti-nutrients whatsoever that you can think of? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think um, anti-nutrients are an important factor to think about with nutrition in general. So um, I guess your listeners are well-educated on the topic, but if, if you aren't, these tend to be compounds that our body struggles processing. And in the process of trying to process them, they actually deplete nutrients out of our body. Um, and the question is not more like, should you not eat spinach or should you eat spinach? It's more like, hey, how do you eat spinach or certain grains? And our ancestors knew this. They would soak 
certain foods, they would cook certain foods. And similarly with these mushrooms, there isn't per se anti-nutrients, but there certainly is in every kingdom, including the kingdom of fungi, things that are not good for you. There are plants that can kill us. There's plants that heal us. There are animals that kill us. There's animals that are fun little pets. And the fungi are the same. There are fungi that are bad for you, um, some lethal, some that cause inflammation. And then there's fungi that are healing and are actually antifungal, which is the causing giggle of nature. But there are fungi that heal you from fungal diseases like candida. Um, but with the mushrooms particularly, they have this structure called chitin. It's the same shell structure that creates like a lobster shell. And then the mushrooms need to be cooked. So do not eat raw mushrooms. Our ancestors would make soups or teas out of them. Or they would, if you're a top chef, you somehow intuitively know to cook them in butter and lipids and heat unlock the nutritional power. So as far as fungi, there isn't anti-nutrients per se, but not every fungi is good. Or, and then um, the other part is, they do not, they generally like do not eat raw mushrooms, but instead make sure you cook them or they have been cooked before, which is known as an extraction. And mushrooms love heat and lipids or heat and alcohol to make them bioavailable. So um, you're safe in general, but with any food, you need to know how to prepare it or buy something that is already made, like the Force Ignatic products. We've done that process for you called through this like whole thing called dual extraction to unlock all its nutritional powers like our ancestors did. It's not anything new. It's not new science. It's old science, but we just made it similarly as you do bone broth. Like it requires a long cooking process to unlock their healing powers. Hey, Taro, I just, I just thought about something when you were saying that, that mushrooms um, really love heat and fat lipids to kind of release their their magic that's uh that's the same as cannabis yeah it's actually same as a lot of things especially a lot of healing things uh there are obviously like things like berries and other things that might be a little more sensitive compounds like vitamin c might be sensitive to heat but there's a there's a lot of things including coffee and tea we create a, an infusion and uh yeah cannabis yeah you got a you got a a lot of herbs if you go back to paracelsus the times of switzerland with the father of modern medicine and how we would create these unlock the powers of nature it would require this process uh, or processes of extraction and distilling them so that's true for cannabis and mushrooms and most things actually that are good for you yeah Interesting. All right. So, uh, boy, we we blew through this hour. I was going to ask for calls and questions, but the hour's over. We know we've got to let you get on with your day. I do have one more question for you. Fire away. What's your favorite Four Sigmatic product? I know that's got to be tough <laughs> for you. Uh, no, there are children. You don't pick your favorite children. <laughs> Um, Rule number one is you do not have a favorite child. But what you can say is this morning I, you know, played with my first child or second child. And this morning I I did the same as you. I drank the decaf coffee 
Last week we were at Expo West and I was strategically caffeinating myself. And usually I don't go cold turkey from caffeine. I do decaf, which has like a fraction of amounts, minor, minor amounts of caffeine, and then, then go full caffeine-free for a few few uh, days to a couple weeks. And um, I started with that. And uh, next thing is I'm going to make uh, uh, a blueberry smoothie with our protein powder that has mushrooms and adaptogens. So that's my thing today. But... Got They're it. all my children, and I don't have a favorite. <laughs> at least officially, at, at least officially, you don't have a favorite child, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess. All right, that <laughs> that makes sense. And I knew it would be would be hard to pick a favorite because there's there's you really do have a lot of good products for different times and and you know different approaches. So it, it would be hard to pick a favorite, but I will. I mean, I really have to say the. Uh, the Rishi cacao is um, is probably my favorite. I think mine too. People love it. Yeah. 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 That's People love it. it. We all need more sleep and better sleep. That's so. right. And, and we we just need that that calm. You know, like I said, it, it was sleep was a big mm-hmm. part of this. It, it really helped me with. But I think the thing that really stood out was I had just gotten into this mode, and and it. You know, it was a lot of good reasons. I mean, we had, you know, a couple of good years in, in trucking. It's actually been a couple of really good years. So that was good for us and our business. And, you know, there's always new projects, and new ideas. And But I, I got to this point where I just didn't feel like I was ever relaxing anymore. And I, I you know, even when I was doing something I really enjoyed, like reading or gardening, I, I still felt this like, I don't know, uneasiness or like I should be doing something more or, and it was uncomfortable. And I, that's what really changed for me. It, 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 no doubt it improved my sleep, but that feeling of calm um, was really the big change for me. Yeah. You're not alone. A lot of people. All right. Tara, we, we, uh, we lost you there for just a second. Are you back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. But okay. it, anyway, thank you. Thank you for the, for the time. What an honor finally. And let's do this again at some point. Absolutely. We, we'd love right. to actually, we'll, we'll get you back. We'll actually talk about mushrooms more. I mean, we were all over the board today. We were, but it was fun. I, I liked it. It was you know, I, I think we kind of laid some more groundwork there. So, yeah, we'll get you back and we'll we'll talk more about some specific stuff. Love it. Fantastic. Well, have a beautiful day. Thanks for everybody who listened and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Tara. I'll talk to thanks, you again Tara. real soon. Uh, head on over to the store. We have, uh, Lauren, we have a hard time keeping that stuff in stock now. I noticed. <laughs> and every time I recommend it, I have to go check to see what's available. <laughs> I know. And, you know, you would think that I would have the advantage. I can grab it as soon as it comes in the door, except Lisa stands there and smacks me over the hand with something when I try. Uh, if we're short on something, <laughs> I'm not allowed to have it until we can get it back in stock again. <laughs> well, I'm looking right now, and it looks like we have everything in stock, and we even updated the um, the new packaging look. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah they uh, they're they're continuing to improve uh, kind of the naming of things and the packaging to make it you know clear. 
um, which adaptogens are, you know, for calm, which are for, um, you know, defend kind of our immune system. So they, they break their products down into those categories. That really helps because this whole adaptogen thing is kind of confusing and it's not something we we're familiar with or we've talked about in the past. So uh, they've really put a lot of work into organizing their products in a way that starts to make sense. So you start to understand what each adaptogen is for. I agree. I love the way they break it down for you. It makes it much simpler. And did you know they have what they call the Mushroom Academy? You know, that we should have talked about that more today. That's a good point. Tell us about that. Next time we have Tarot on, we should talk a little bit about that because there is information on there with videos that dives into, you know, best morning mushrooms, best evening mushrooms, uh, what to, you know, anything for a daily mushroom. And he really, you know, they really break it down. And Danielle goes through some of these video items. And I find, I find that it's very interesting that they, they do that. And it's all for free. You don't have to join anything. It's all there on their website. You know, one of the things I, I, and I may reach out to Taro, maybe I'll send him an email or a text and ask him to, to think about this for the next show. One of the things I wonder about, there's no doubt in my mind how powerful these mushrooms are now. I mean, I, I am a believer. I'm convinced. I've seen the results. What I, what I always go back to, and you know this is how I approach everything when it comes to health and nutrition and what we should eat and how we should live. I always go back to hunter-gatherer. How did we evolve? And, and I try to measure everything against that. And there seem to be these, these compounds or foods or substances that are really powerful. They have a, a lot of really positive effects. And yet I wonder, how did we access those as hunter-gatherers? It, it, well, some of the, like for cannabis, for example, I mean, there, we have this huge endocannabinoid system in our body that we didn't even know existed till just about a decade ago. I mean, this is really new. What, but we don't really know that we consumed a lot of cannabis. What, why did we have this whole system and how did we access, you know, cannabinoids as hunter-gatherers? And, and, you know, we just talked about mushrooms have that same similarity in that you, you can't eat these raw. You know, you, we've all seen in the movies or the cartoons or wherever, somebody eat, the cops are after them and they eat a whole handful of cannabis and they get really high. And you know, that's completely false, yeah. right? Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, you could, you could eat a pound of raw cannabis if you could choke it down and you wouldn't feel the slightest effect from THC. Our body- Isn't it, um, lip Go ahead. lipids, it has Correct. to be with- Form of yeah, exactly like mushrooms. You have to have heat and fat to extract the, the THC in a way that it will interact with our body. Otherwise, it has zero <laughs> impact. Our body can't access the THC or a lot of the cannabinoids unless we heat it and, and there's fat involved. Uh, that's why um, brownies you know, pot brownies because you use a lot of butter to make brownies and yeah. you infuse the cannabis into the butter, into the fat. 
Uh, mushrooms are the same mm. way. When, when I cook mushrooms, a half a pound of butter is not out of the question. Wow. I use a ton of yep. butter when I, when I cook mushrooms. With just any kind of mushrooms, like, for instance, button mushrooms even? Exactly. Yeah, just a ton of... In fact, my there is a limit. If you put too much fat into the mushrooms while you're cooking them, they will start to weep it back out when they're on the plate. And that's not good. You've gotten to the point where, okay, you finally did use too much fat. But there's that sweet spot mm. in there where the more of that butter that mushroom can soak up, the better the mushroom gets. I mean, we love butter and fat. And so it, it, you, I do use a lot when I cook mushrooms. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even like mushrooms unless they're cooked in butter. I, and you know, what's interesting is I have an aversion to raw mushrooms. I do not like the taste. I've never like the taste of raw mushrooms. I think the only place they I've ever really eaten them is like sometimes they'll dice them up and put them in a salad. Right. Or slice yeah. them. But, but if, if you think about never, it there, ever. yeah, you're hiding it with a bunch of good fat, right? The dressing. <laughs> so the same thing. The dressing, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we need to get a bunch. Yeah, of I never really understood how people but, like that. <laughs> but think, think about this. Think about how intelligent the human body is. We crave mm -hmm. fat with mushrooms. And, and we don't yeah. crave it because we, we consciously know that we need that fat to pull the beneficial compounds out. We didn't consciously know that, but somehow we know it. Mm-hmm. And it really enhances the flavor. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, I think that's the whole circle there. You know, we, we crave it. It makes it so much better. So then we, we crave it more. And I, I think that's, that's kind of the point. You know, these, these foods that our body really wants. Um, here's the other interesting thing. And I, I've been noticing this with, um, with Lisa. So I, I've been moving more and more carnivore um, quite a bit recently. And by default, um, Lisa's been kind of moving more and more carnivore. And what yeah. I realized is now I start to see it. She craves meat now. And, and when, and, and I do too, when I get hungry now, my body does not want anything except meat. I, I look at all these other foods and, and even things like, um, <laughs> nuts and, um, some other things that I used to eat a lot more of. I eat a lot less of those now. My body wants meat. When I'm hungry, it really wants meat. Wow, that's great. I mean, I'm I'm very similar. I'm I'm kind of between protein and fats, though. I have to say, I do yeah. crave fats as well. Yeah, and and that was me. I when I was more keto, I I used to say my body wants fat. My body's really craving fat. Now I think <laughs> I've kind of found that balance between, and I. I always go for fatty cuts, always. So I, I still crave yeah. the, the fat when I'm, the beauty of meat is you get both. Um, and, and I really do yeah. believe that we, we run on protein and fat. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> 
All right. Hey, I just uh, noticed calls were starting to come in there and then uh, they're gone. So uh, let everybody know. Um, Lauren and I are going to hang out here. If you've got questions, jump in and join us. Pick up the phone and call. Um, Otherwise, we'll wrap this up and move on with our day. So 855-950-3835. Lauren, I want to talk a little bit about the show we were just at. So this is the Great. largest yeah, largest natural food show in the country. They break it up into an East and a West. Uh, they do Natural Expo East somewhere on the East Coast, uh, and they do West out here. This show's been going on for a long time. I talked to people who had been there for 25 years. So, um, you know, this for people who have been to the Louisville truck show, very similar. Size-wise, about the same number of attendees, about the same number of vendors. They're both really big shows. Like, you can't walk through either one of these shows in one day. Uh, It took us three to really be able to walk through all the vendors. And we didn't do any of the educational sessions at all. I really didn't see anything that I was going to gain much from on on the education side at this one. So we spent all our time at vendors. Here's what I was shocked about. If I had to read the word plant-based one more time, I was going to vomit. It is everywhere. I am so sick of that phrase, plant-powered, plant-based, plant this, plant that. Everything there was plants. I was, and like I said, I, I was so And everybody's giving out samples. That's a big, big thing there. People go to this event just to get all the damn samples. They even have a policy on samples that each day you are only supposed to take, each person is only supposed to take one bag of samples out. And they have signs everywhere. And at the end of the show, if they have leftover samples, they donate it to food banks. And But they make a big deal about you're only supposed to take one bag out a day. But the problem was everything was plant-based and, and, you know, loaded with, for a natural food show, I was pretty shocked at how bad a lot of the food quality was. But finding meat at the show was rather difficult. We did find it, uh, but boy, it was, uh, it was certainly the minority. Yeah. Huh. Well, what about um, cool products that you came across? Did you find anything promising for the store? Or we did. Anything that you can give us on? You know, I, I probably should have asked what I'm allowed to talk about, but I guess I make, <laughs> I, I make the rules, so I'll just uh, I'll just make some things up. We, we did find a handful of really cool products, and when it comes right down to it. Um, we probably found more than than what we should work on right now. I mean, each product bringing into the store creates a ton of work, um, primarily for Lisa. Uh, but Aaron gets involved with design and customer service has to get involved because they have to understand the product, be able to ask, answer questions about it. Um, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet we're looking at about a dozen new products. And that's a lot. I mean, yeah, that is a lot to even think about. Um, So Lisa got busy right away yesterday. She was on the phone all day. Uh, She picked a couple of, you know, we kind of prioritized what what order we're going to bring them in on. And she already got started on it. But yeah, it'll be a long process. I'll tell you one. um, I don't 
I think we're, we know we'll be able to bring this one in. Sometimes you you just can't. I mean, we can't cut the right deal. We can't negotiate the right um, you know, pricing structure or margins. So it, it just won't work for us. But I'm pretty sure most of these we were able to figure out that we will be able to bring in. Here's what I'm excited about. Um, you know how I've always talked about having, you know, being prepared, whether it's at home, in your car, for drivers in their truck when they're on the road, having a, you know, we call it a get home bag, like a, a, a backpack that's packed with things that if the world just fell apart, I mean, the roads are closed, the vehicles aren't running, um, what do you do? I mean, how, are you prepared for that? And one of the things that you should always have you know, we, we prioritize this by, you know, what kind of things do you need to live? And there's the rule, oh, I think it's three. Like you could, you can only live for like three minutes without oxygen, um, three days without water, three weeks without food, um, you know, three hours maybe without shelter in certain conditions. Um, so we, we kind of prioritize the, the get home bag on those things. You know, you need some shelter to protect yourself from the environment first. You may even need, believe it or not, I, I just bought two really high quality gas masks. I can't believe I got to that point, oh. but I did. Um, I have, we have, a we have a train track a hundred yards away from our house and it's right between our house and our warehouse. The train track runs right between them. Um, and with what's going on with all these train derailments and toxic chemicals, I thought, I, I, why wouldn't I have a gas mask? So I, I got one of those. So then we prioritize what's the next most important thing. We covered breathing. Well, water's pretty important. Um, I've always recommended carrying a life straw. And you should have a life straw in your vehicles. You should have one in, in a backpack, in a get-home bag. You should have them in the truck. Life straw was there at the show, and they have the coolest idea. It's brand new. Nobody has this product yet. In fact, we may be one of the first because uh, we're already working on it. It's a just a plain water bottle, just like you would carry every day, but it's got a life straw built in. Oh, I, wow, it, it has a built-in? How does this work? It's the, the filter is inside the water bottle and it can be changed. But the interesting thing about the life straw, when you look at how many gallons of water each one of their filters can handle, like the filter goes that mm -hmm. goes in this water bottle looks like it lasts about a year for most people. I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to change this filter very often. They filter a lot of water, but it's built right into the water mm. bottle. So all I do is just fill my water bottle cool. like I do anyway. I fill one in the morning um, and then, you know, just drink it all throughout the day and then refill it. But this has got the, the Life Straw water filter built right in. So it's my everyday water bottle, but it's also an emergency water bottle. You can... You can drink water out of almost any source with this filter. And I know it it would freak people out, but literally the, the ditch on the side of the road, you can scoop water out of that ditch with this water bottle and drink it. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Because it, it 
filters viruses, bacteria, uh, you know, chemicals, all, all kinds of problems. And it, you'd be shocked at how good the water tastes. You know, you'd think, okay, well, maybe it'll filter it and it'll be safe. It's not going to kill me. But it's shocking how good the water tastes. It filters so much out. That's pretty amazing. I need yeah. one of those when I go to a restaurant. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so I, I was really excited about that. I just think that's a, a great product. It's, it's an everyday product I'm going to use, but it's also a really cool emergency product. Yeah, I agree. Things like that. I mean, the gas mask, my, <laughs> I'm not I'm not surprised about um, because my family's been kind of collecting those. Yeah, <laughs> it was it's funny. A, it's a we good did, idea. We do like a, it is. We do one of those, um, it's in a white elephant, like a Christmas exchange. Oh, yeah. And the men do one and all the women do one. And the men were all fighting for the gas mask that someone put it in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it I, was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would have been too. Um, I am actually trained. So when I was in the military, you have what's called an MOS, or it's basically your job description, what you're trained in and what you do every day. And my primary MOS was a helicopter crew chief. I mean, that's what I did every day. Um, but one of the things I figured out when I was in the military, I really liked to learn. And they have a ton of programs you can go through. All. So I started taking every class or course I could find. And my secondary MOS actually became, um, I was a nuclear chemical and biological specialist. I was trained in how to protect against uh, nuclear chemical and biological warfare. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I had all the training in the gas mask and the mop suit and um, I, I can't do it anymore, but I I actually have the training manual from the military. I found one and bought it and I do know how to look at a mushroom cloud from a, a, an atomic explosion. And I can tell you (laughs) how far away it is and how powerful it was. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I know it felt kind of extreme even when I was ordering it. I'm like, am I really going to order a gas mask? But I am. I, and I would encourage (laughs) other people to do it too. I agree. Yes. All right. Um, we should probably get to some phone calls because I asked for them and they, they are coming in. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Let's get started in Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Lauren. How are you all doing today? Good. What's doing on your well, mind? Well, thanks. Uh, well, before I get to my actual call uh, question, um, would you take that water bottle to East Palestine and drink the water? <laughs> if I had to drink the water in East Palestine, I would want this water bottle. Yes, but I, I would I would rather skip that whole process if I can. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yes, uh, and I'll tell you, you're you're funny about how you're craving meat and fats and stuff like that. I now that I've gotten back pretty straight with my diet, I'm craving a lot of fats and meats myself now that I'm primarily eaten that way again speaking um, of it's which it's pretty hey, amazing how, how the, 
I, how the body. I hate to interrupt you, but I'm going to, because if I don't, I'll forget this. Um, for drivers who travel up and down I-5, and I don't do that a lot, especially down towards, you know, Southern California, the LA area. I usually try to go around that whole area when I can. Uh, but this time we had to go right into LA and we had to come out. Um, I don't know how I didn't know about this place. The Harris Ranch on I-5. What a great stop that is. They've got a, like a hotel, an inn. They've got a restaurant. They've got a, a they call it a barbecue express. Um, they do some of the best smoked meats there. The, it was incredible. Their brisket may be the best brisket I've ever had. Yeah. And where was this? Uh, Harris Ranch. I, and I'd have to go look it up. It's, I'm going to say kind of South Central Valley. California. I can't remember any town we were near. I need to go look it up. It's just one of those things we were driving and, you know, it was time for a break. And I see this place coming up on the map and I'm like, well, you know, it looks like they've got uh, some barbecue and I'm really craving some meat. So let's stop. But uh, just an incredible play. I'm assuming since it's called Harris Ranch that there's actually a ranch somewhere and they're raising this beef, but it's not, it's not totally grass fed. They actually, it's grass fed fed, but grain finished, but not at feedlots. So it is really okay. marbled, really fatty. Um, but boy, was it good uh, for a, for a nice, oh. easy stop, get off the road. They're right there. I got thinking about something, you know, when it comes right down to it, barbecue or smoked meats, really I don't know why we don't have more fast food restaurants based on that. Everything about barbecue you can make ahead of time. Everything. You smoke all the meats ahead of time. The brisket would be done. The ribs are done. The pulled pork's done. The, you know, brats, brats or sausage. You would pre-cook all of your proteins and then your sides are even all pre-cooked. Why aren't there more really good fast food smoked meat restaurant? Well, I have a, not a definitive answer, but I have a, 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 at this time, paying someone all that time to do that. Maybe, I guess. And, you know, and, and, you know, you have to, you have to monitor. I mean, the best, the best barbecue places I've been to are, you know, wood fire smokers, not, not, you know, not these electric smokers or pellet smokers, you know, so it's, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of, you know, know-how and, and time and learning and, and uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it's it's cost prohibitive, I think, when you want to get in and out, you know, in, in 30 seconds with a Big Mac, you know? I guess. I It just, I you know, I, I, I just got thinking, it a big part of, of running a successful restaurant is timing. You know, how fast can you get a dish yeah. out? People don't want to wait a long time. And obviously sit down, you're willing to wait a little more. But fast food, we want to walk in, get it and go. And I, I just got thinking, it everything's pre-cooked. In a, in a barbecue joint, everything is pre-cooked, pre-prepared. So you should be able to walk in and in two minutes, walk back out. And that's what it was like at this restaurant. You, you walked in, it's kind of a, yeah, you know, just you know, right down the line and you walk out and... The food was amazing. Yeah, we have some of those 
somewhat smaller chain barbecue restaurants down here in Texas and throughout a few other areas. And uh, they, but their, their quality isn't like you'll go there and eat and it's decent, but it's not something you would go out of your way for. I so, agree. You know, this right. Paris ranch, this Paris ranch might be really good and people go out, but a lot of the barbecue joints down here that I've been to that are exceptional. I mean, you don't, if you don't get there an hour before they open, you're, you're waiting an hour to get your meal. One of the other concepts I've seen in, in really good smoked meats or barbecue. And I, I, I love this. And I think a lot of restaurants are just afraid to do this. Um, I've been to places where, they have a certain amount of each meat that gets cooked that day, whether it's, you know, baby back ribs or brisket or whatever. Yep. When it's done, it's done. And they're done for the day. They close. Yep. Or, or you can't get brisket anymore yep. today. I, I think that's an awesome concept. Yes. Right. Well, that's that's what the, the two I, I, when I go for barbecue, the two I go to, they they pretty much sell out every every day they're yeah, open. Right. They, you know, they, they, they started... 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes by two o'clock, they have like very little bit left. Right. You can only so it's get pretty, it's ribs, pretty amazing. Yeah. Or whatever. And when you think about that, what a, what a great way to control cost because another big problem yeah. in the restaurant world is, is wasted food. Right. Right. That's why catering is the best way to if food it's service. True, catering yeah. is the best because, yeah. Yeah. You really don't have any any waste. You have X amount of people coming in and, you know, the waste is minimal. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. Restaurant business is a very tough business. And it a got very a, tough business it, to, it, it got a whole lot tougher in the last couple of years. Yes. Yes. It sure did. It sure did. Um, yeah. G getting to the, I, I listened to the, the interview on and off. I was in a bad area in the plant, but. Very, very interesting stuff. You guys are talking about farming and, and 13 generations of his, his family's history and stuff with his farm. Pretty wild stuff. Uh, the concept living in America and that, like you said, 13 generations is just mind boggling. Yeah. We, we, that doesn't exist yeah. in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three, four generations possibly, right. you know, uh, I think is maybe about the only thing. Uh, but uh, on the adaptogens, is there a, uh, uh, like a, uh, you know how some medications, you have to build up a, a, a level in your body and then it stays at you for a while. I don't know what you would call that. I, hey, I don't, escaping the wheat, what, I don't know if there's a term. I know what you're saying and I can't think of a term for that either. There's a term for uh, that, I think. Uh, but anyway, with the adaptogens, is that is that kind of what yes. we're doing also? Or yeah. okay. you know, one one of the terms I've used in the past for this is like front loading. We need to front load certain okay. certain supplements. Like we we might double, triple, sometimes even quadruple the dose in the very beginning to get that that buildup into the body. And adaptogens are kind of that way. You can front load them or you can just kind of, you know, keep consuming more and more over time, but they you don't get an immediate reaction usually from an, an adaptogen. There are a couple exceptions. You know how some people will, will claim that um, 
chocolate, good raw cacao will will make them feel good, you know, or or it puts them in a certain right. mood. Um, there are some mild um, effects like that, but for the most part, it does require some time to get the adaptogens to build up in the body. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, because like, there's a lot of times like these next three days, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have the uh, mushroom coffee that I usually have in the afternoons, uh, just hours of the day and timing and stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't want to lose all the effects that I've potentially been getting from that. So, you know, um, I, I, I am taking some of the. Go ahead. Well, I, I think I, I'm probably to the point now where, and I just did. When I traveled, I took all that stuff with me, but I got out of my routines. Um, I, I'm not a creature of habit and habits can be good. I I tend to like variety. I I don't like the same routine over and over, but I've learned there are some things that I should create routines around. Um, and when I travel, I had everything with me to make the evening drink. I didn't do it once. Um, but I think I was at the point Mm -hmm where it, it, I went almost two weeks without it and I just started to feel it towards the end. Um, now I'm trying to kind of recover. So I, I think you can get yourself to the point where if you miss a couple of days here and there or a week, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, but I think getting out of that routine for almost two weeks, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Um, the last, this week, right. yesterday was tough. Today, I'm not feeling all that great. Um, nothing wrong with me. I'm just, I'm feeling a little more run down again. I'm having a harder time getting motivated. I'm at that point where I need a break. Yeah, I was kind of looking forward to this. It was going to be a vacation and then things change. So now we're kind of sitting back and trying to plan a vacation. But I think part of what I'm dealing with right now is I, I just need a break. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to that point. I, that's what, for me, it's been kind of a a real relief, not not actually working every day right now because I'm getting this off the ground, but working enough to keep everything afloat. So uh, a little stress level maybe, but um, it's been nice being home. And, you know, like you said, getting into those routines in the morning after coffee, I clean the pot out and I set myself up with the mushroom uh, chill for the afternoon when my wife gets home from work. And that's our routine. We have a nice cup of coffee in the afternoon around four or five o'clock, uh, the Rishi uh, chill. Yeah. And I put some elixir in mine. There you go. Um, and it, 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 it works out well, you know? Um, so I'm kind of going to miss that today. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> Darn this work, you know, <laughs> you know what, what I've noticed is the, the Rishi and the adaptogen protocol, like I said, got me to the point where, where I feel more calm, a little more relaxed. I, I am sleeping better, but the other side of that is between kind of the burnout. I've been pushing too hard on too many projects for too long without taking a break that combined with the kind of relaxation, the adaptogens have brought what I'm feeling like is I'm not all that motivated and I haven't accomplished a whole lot. You know, I'm I'm fine just kind of hanging out and reading a novel and relaxing, which isn't a bad thing, but um, I don't like it when I don't feel motivated. 
I, I'm calm. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I know I kind of need a break, but uh, I think I just got to that point. It was a combination of feeling a little burnout, pushing too hard on too many things, and then kind of working on the calm and just like, sometimes I just want to kind of just check out. Right. Right. Um, another question, maybe you or Lauren might've had some experience with, I'm noticing now that, you know, since, since we changed the clocks back, which was only a weekend ago, but you know, some of the, some of these mornings I have to get up at a, at ungodly hour, two thirty in the morning, just to make the day, you know, work for me yeah. and getting to sleep when there's still daylight out. Anyone ever used the, like the, the, the eye, the masks on your eyes, the sleep mask? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, yeah. what, I'll tell you what they have now. They're pretty incredible. Um, there's some real junk on the market around this. I've been through a couple, but I think I found one that's fairly decent quality. It's called music, music cozy. So M U S I C O Z Y. It is a sleep mask. It's a really nice, soft, it's got really thick eye cups. So it blocks out everything, but it's super comfortable. But it also goes over your ears and it's got speakers in there. So if you want to do things like some of the, the, the meditation or some of the sleep apps that kind of help you use sound and some other things to help you fall asleep, it, it's part of the sleep mask. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, if you want something just simple, I I just use I just use like a silk sleep mask that you know goes over your eyes. It's you know washable and right. um, it's just it's really it's just it's nothing fancy. It doesn't have any sounds or anything. But um, yeah. I have a situation where I don't have blackout curtains in my bedroom, and I know I right. should, but I don't. And so. When it's a full moon, depending on the time of the year, it literally will shine directly on my pillow <laughs> at a certain time for like a good hour right. at least. And so I, I know that if it's a full moon or coming off of a full moon or leading up to it, I have to have my sleep mask on. And I, and I love it. I just, I only use it, you know, around that time um, of the month and then, and then that's it. And when I'm traveling, I always bring it with me as well. Yeah, I've been noticing lately, if I don't have a, a, like a, a little towel over some of the electronic cable things in the room, mm, I, mm -hmm. I find myself waking up in the middle of the night. And not just, to, you know, not just to go use the bathroom, just like, I don't know, just I feel like I, I'm a little tossing and turning a little bit. So I think that might help me with that as well. So uh, I don't know how I'd feel about the whole getting deadening out the sound and everything because I'm kind of always fearful of someone coming in the house. So I like to be aware of that. Um, and I sleep, yeah. I sleep like I'm dead until someone walks in the room and I'm pretty aware. I'm pretty up as soon as they walk in the room. Um, I don't know if I'd like to close my hearing off for that yeah, uh, or not, but it's something to think about. It's something to think about, you know, um, even the afternoon, maybe trying to take a nap with one of those, uh, music cups that would be pretty good yeah i'm gonna the, look into that the other thing is the depending on what app you're using or how you're doing it it may be something that the sound is only there for the first 15 minutes 
that's an idea. Yeah, and then it just stops. I right. got you. Yeah, yeah. put mm. you to sleep, yeah. and then it it fades out, and then you're just sleeping. And this the the mask itself does not block out any sound whatsoever. They're not like ear cups, right. or it's really thin material, and there's just a very small speaker in there. So once the the music would stop, you would still have completely normal hearing at that point. Oh, okay, good. All right, yes, that, that might be exactly what I'm looking for then. Is it mu- Muse Cozy? Is yeah, M-U-S-I-C-O-Z-Y. The problem I had, and, and as soon as I looked at these things, my first, re- my first reaction was, why are they so cheap? They're only like 30 or 40 bucks. And the mask is really nice. It's really soft material and it blocks out all the light. And I found out why they're so cheap. The The batteries didn't even last like a month. After a month, I had two or three of them I was <laughs> testing and they just wouldn't hold a charge anymore. So I went back and I'm looked and I'm like, I, 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 I want to pay $100. Give me a good had get decent Bluetooth speakers, you know, good battery. So this is the latest one I'm testing, but I, I didn't spend all that much on this one, but it seems like it's better quality. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, I'm just trying to get... My sleep is usually pretty good, but I've noticed... And I, I don't, it doesn't register on my watch, so I must not be up uh, that long, I, but I do remember being awake. So right. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's, uh, just I'm up for a minute or a half a minute or whatever it is, but I, I do notice, you know, do remember kind of opening my eyes and I'm not knowing why I'm wa- waking up in the middle of the night a couple of times throughout the night. Right. So, um, all right. That's uh, pretty much it. I'd like to, talk about other things that don't relate to health but this is health day so got it uh, all right maybe if i have call. time tomorrow we'll we'll chat yeah call call tomorrow let's uh let's go to georgia matt welcome to the program good morning what's on your mind today? um so a couple things you guys talking about the generational farming i just found that fascinating too because it's amazing how young our country is until you stop and think about it. It, it really compared is. Compared to even just yeah. Europe. It, when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute, 13 <laughs> generations and a generation, the definition of it or the length of it has changed, obviously, over time because we started living longer. But it typically is like somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 years is what each generation kind of takes up. So if you think about it, let's go to the high side, 30, um, 10 generations spans 300 years. Yep. We haven't been a country for 300 years. So, so we don't have, (laughs) we can't have family farms that have been around for 13 generations. And like I said, towards the end, um, the Native Americans did have some agriculture and some farming. I think, um, what are what are the mounds there in, where are they, Indiana or Illinois? Cahokia, the Cahokia mounds? Oh, yeah, I can't remember what they're called. But yeah, the, 
ceremonial burial yeah. grounds. That that area, they actually did practice agriculture and they stayed in that area for quite some time, but not like farms like we think of them. Yep. Yeah, they, they still roamed, but they... Right. They, they kind of made a circle, you know, I mean migrated just like the animals or with the animals more than likely right and they they did start to learn how to plant and cultivate food um but they still moved yep so the other really interesting thing um you're talking about the younger generation and having purpose in life and at some point there you mentioned something about suicide yeah. And that is getting more, uh, what would be the correct terminology? It's more frequent every generation. Right. And that, I don't know where I read this. It was in a book or article, but I mean, many, many years ago. Do you know that suicide is only a first world problem? I didn't know that, but now that you say it, I could certainly believe it. And it goes along with what we're talking about here. When when we are, you know, we use the term third world like it's, you know, really, really bad. And maybe it's not. Um, Where life would suck. <laughs> yeah, it, right. You know, what we, we, think? we think it would. But in a situation like that, your purpose is to survive. It's just to live. You have to work and fight every day just to live. When, you know, I talk about the show alone and, and you watch, they have to devote every waking minute to survival. That's a purpose. That's a really powerful purpose. And you're right. I don't think anybody in that situation ever really contemplates suicide. Why would you? You wake up every day fighting yep. to live. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a really in, good in point. Third world and, and older, you know, tribal type things. Yeah, I mean, suicide was unheard of. Yeah, and still to this a, day is. That's in a good third point. world countries. Now we are at, we are at a point where it, the statistic right now: one in ten teenage girls will attempt suicide. Attempt it, not just think about it. They'll attempt it. And I believe um, it's because so we, yeah, we don't we'll, have a purpose. Every generation has less and less of a purpose. We keep depending on machines to do more of what we used to have to do. And now I'm really worried about AI. I, I, I'm really thinking a lot about this. We, what, you know, this idea and people have thrown this around. We'll let machines do everything and give humans their basic human income, even though they don't have a job anymore. That is a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, you know, your generation, a little bit older than me, but, and I, I have the problem. I, I kind of consider work as my purpose and right. obviously I've gone way overboard on that, but <laughs> it's with a plan, but, <laughs> um, I actually got a book recommendation. The word I love is, uh, gratitude. Yes. You know, you were saying having a purpose and gratitude for what you do have or what you're working for. Uh, 
Tom Broca, the former anchorman, his first book was The Greatest Generation. After he wrote that book, he got flooded with letters. And I mean, he wrote the book, or he got the idea of it for the D-Day 40th anniversary speech, so 1984. I don't remember the book if it came out around 1990. So we still had a lot of World War II veterans, you know, that wrote him stories and told told their situation. One of them is The Greatest Generation Speaks. These are by Tom Broca, so and they're all on Audible. And the other one is An Album of Memories. And they're all just little short stories. Basically, he's reading letters. And, you know, this is a generation that grew up childhood through the Depression and then went off to fight World War II. And you want to talk about a group of people that didn't expect anything in return for whatever they had to deal with? It's, to me, these, those letters and the, those books are just pretty amazing how the different mindset from that generation to today. I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet. It, it, I mean, it, it, it really you know, just does come down. You know, I, I, when I was developing the stress protocols and I started to realize everything that makes us stronger, makes us better, uh, is it, it, you have to be uncomfortable. That, that's what this is. We, we, unfortunately, as human beings, we seek comfort. And if we get too much of it, it will destroy us. Um, and even the difference, one of them is written, one short one in there was a letter from a son of a World War II vet, and he, the son had gone to Vietnam. And the wild difference between himself and his father, after he got back and they talked about it, most of the people in Vietnam, they knew their days. I mean, it was... They were serving a certain time, and once they hit their days, they were going home. In World War II, they left for war not knowing if they'd ever come home or when, you know, not till the war was over. And nobody knew if that was, you know, 10 years or no idea. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm looking for just some interesting listening. Like you say, they're short stories, so you can start and stop the book, you know, for short periods, whatever. But they're very inspiring, and at least to me, anyway. No, nope, I, I love I like World that. War II history. Just love it. So. Yeah, good stuff. All right, we uh, we're gonna move along. Calls are piling up on us today. We're gonna head off to Texas. Dwight, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, good morning, Kevin Lauren. Um, my, my original call is stress. And so, uh, with some of the things y'all talked about, I'll, uh, I'll say part of my stress is I just had two, uh, grandkids this year under a year old and they will be the fifth generation. And part of my stress is trying to get the kids involved and now I'm 
going to have to try to get the grandkids. Right. Um, I've offered them land. I've offered them houses. Um, I've got, got some maybes. Uh, maybe my daughter uh, will be the first, but, uh, I live in the par- in the house that my grand grandfather built and, uh, I have the sawmill and, uh, he, he sawed, uh, some of the lumber, not all off the place. Wow. So yeah. that's neat. And I, I drink out of a water well that, uh, my grandfather and young dad dug to this day. I use it. So, uh, my stress is, uh, trying to get them back and along with everything else. And, um, but then my original deal was, uh, I've been using a lot of the mushrooms. I've, I've got, uh, kind of like you said, it just, it's not, not an instant whammy, but all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, Oh, I can do this. I can drive farther. I'm, I'm awake. And so, uh, yeah. So I'm great with that, but Good. I still have this humongous stress. So kind of my question was, how is it I can go to sleep and my Garmin watch will say, yeah, well, you got, you got adequate sleep, which is sometimes that it's on my days off. I get adequate. I don't get any adequate when I'm driving. Um, because I've, I've got a dedicated and it's, it's hard press. So. Why, why is it though? I can lay down and get this rest, but I wake up and my Garmin wretch watches nothing but red streaks and says, well, uh, you had a stressful night, stress, stress, stress. Now, I mean, what is it going to take to start getting some, get rid of the stress while you're sleeping at least? So are you doing any of the physical stress protocol? I, I do the breathing off and on. Uh, I don't do as much exercise as I should, although I, I get, I, I still manage uh, pretty close to 10,000 steps. And when I'm at home, I'm 14,000 steps. Uh, hold on. Hold and, on. Stop, um, stop, stop, stop. When did I ever say 10,000 or 14,000 steps was part of the stress protocol? Uh it's well, not. y'all kind of mentioned that today. Right. Well, no, actually, it's it was not. the other guy. It's not part of the stress. Okay. The, the the physical stress protocol, cold exposure, hot exposure with the infrared sauna, breathing, whether it's Wim Hof or, or other methods of breathing, and the uh, resistance training. Those are the four. When, when you, you ask me, when okay. will I be able to go to sleep without being in stress? When you've built up the adaptogens and you've worked on that physical stress protocol fairly consistently at least two or three times a week for a month. That's when it's going to happen. And then you will notice that when you go to sleep, the stress drops to almost nothing and your body actually recovers. So when you say, what is it going to take? That's what I just spent the last two years working out And what it takes is the adaptogens are a big part of it. Get those up to the right levels in your body. And then you have got to do these physical stress protocols at least two to three times a week. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I'm not consistent. I'm consistent on my adaptogens and I guess I'm just expecting way 
That's just one part. I'm, just one I'm part. gonna have to. It, yeah, it's just one part. It's like if we, if we in our diet, if we start eating really good, well raised protein, but we're getting really poor quality fats, we're not gonna be optimally healthy. We we have to do all the right things, and we have to do them in the right amounts, and we have to do them consistently. And my biggest struggle with the stress protocol is is being consistent with it myself. And I know that everybody's going to struggle with this, it, but it it's there's there's nothing I can do to change that fact. I figured out what works. I can't say you can just think about it and it's going to work. You have to go do the physical stress protocols. And that's the, the biggest challenge is doing them consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will just have to push harder. I've got, I've got to do it because I'm trying to keep this uh, land together and I'm just going to have to push harder. You and know, do what I, I got to do to cut the stress. I, I could honestly say that for myself, if I wanted to optimize my health, if I wanted to increase the chances that I'm going to live longer, you know, the whole idea of biohacking, you know, Dave Asprey claims he wants to live to be 175 years old. Um, if I were truly, if that were my goal, I would have to stop doing what I do. I, I would not spend all the time I spend reading on, on a computer or a, even a book reading. You know, uh, Tarot talked about this. Our eyes were never designed to read all day long. Our, design, our eyes were never designed to look at things close to us all day long. And that's affecting our health. Everything about our modern lifestyle is bad for our health. If, I, if, if my number one goal was to be as healthy as I could be and to live as long as I could, I would stop doing what I do and I would just go live on a small farm and I would hunt and fish and I would be as self-sustaining as possible and I would be far healthier. Stress would not be an issue. Sleep would not be an issue. But it, it, if I do that, well, then how am I helping anybody else? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to that very point. I've got the land. I've got everything. I've got Joel's books from the very first one. And, but, uh, I just, uh, I'm the breadwinner for the family and That's I just can't I get out of the truck yet. I, I get it. it. It's, it's tough. And, I think we would all be healthier as a society if we all spent more time providing for ourselves. And instead, we, we gave all that up to go work on a career, and we see what that did to our health, my generation. And now we look at, at the next couple of generations who don't even want to put time and effort into a career they have no focus and no purpose. If we're going to back away from the career, I think we have to take that time and use it more to to provide for ourselves. I, I think the idea of constant recreation doesn't work for human beings. 
I, I don't think that somebody who right. retires and can golf every day ends up being all that happy. Well, well, I had a situation where I had three family members all with fatal illnesses and they were all going to die. And so, um, but I got, uh, even though I took care of them, at the end of it, uh, I had a restful period and that was the, uh, good time in my life. Yeah. So, uh, so just relax, you know, even, even that stressful situation, I was able to, uh, get rest. So yeah, again, it, it, if we go back to how we evolved our, our, fight or flight response, which is what stress really is, was designed in a very specific way. It was designed to keep us alive in very dangerous situations that were short term and didn't happen all that often. The problem now is everything about our lifestyle activates our fight or flight response. The alarm clock blaring at us in the morning. Hunter-gatherers didn't have alarm clocks. They woke up naturally. They weren't shocked out of sleep by loud, blaring, unnatural noises. The very first thing that we interact with in the morning, an alarm clock, is bad for us. And then we everything after that. The food we eat is so bad for us, it causes stress. Then we get inside of a, a metal box and we fight with a thousand other metal boxes for an hour to get to work. And then we're in a building full of chemicals and nothing natural. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Our lifestyle is killing us. Yeah. Well, I, I think just like you said, I, I eat quality food. I raise a lot of it quality. So I've got that down. That's big. I've got the adaptions and I'm just, I'm going to have to make the commitment and all I need, what I'm going to have to do is uh, finish the stress protocol with uh, my X3 bar and my and the breathing and do that before I uh, go to bed for the night, whatever time that may be. And I, I think that's, I'll, I will do that. I will commit on to that and we'll go from there. There you go. Let me. Thank you. I, I hate to make it more complicated or restrictive, but I, I will give you a warning. And this is just me. Um, I figured out that I can't do that protocol after six o'clock in the evening. If I do, it interferes with my sleep. Yeah. So I, I, and maybe you won't, maybe it'll be fine for you. Or sometimes I can break it. I, I prefer <clears throat> to do the, the entire protocol from start to finish in one hour. So I do my breathing in the infrared sauna. I get out of that. I do a quick rinse off in the shower just because I'm so sweaty. Uh, then I do the X3 workout. Then I do the cold exposure and I'm done. I get it all in one hour. If I'm going to do that, I've got to do it earlier in the day. Late afternoon is about the latest I can do it. Some days, though, I can break it up. You know, maybe I can do the breathing in the evening or, you know, the the 
but I can't do the cold shower. The cold shower in the evening tends to energize me and wake me up so much that it interferes with my sleep. So, um, like I said, I don't want to make it more complicated, but just be aware that sometimes the timing of when you do this can matter for sleep. Doesn't really matter for anything well, else. Well, it might affect your sleep. Well, what I may do is uh, <clears throat> part of it for my lunch. You know, on my lunch break, I just do a lunch break and yeah, shut down and do that, and uh, not do a whole lot right before I go to bed. Although go. a lot of times I wind up eating at midnight. Uh, that's another tough that's, one. That, I know. That it, it it again, Dwight. It's our it's our lifestyle. It's uh, you know the the just our lifestyle in this country is bad. In civilization, any country, it's the more civilized we become, the worse it seems to be for our health. Uh, But then truck driving, we know, is even worse. Lauren, what do you think? I definitely agree, especially if you are in a situation where you can't have a regular schedule and your circadian rhythm is off. It's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah, I, I, the, the good news about this stress protocol, it all works. The adaptogens work. That's the easiest part of this, honestly, is the adaptogens. They're the easiest thing to add. Um, the stress protocol yeah. absolutely works. It's incredibly powerful. But it is tough to have the discipline to do it as often as we need to. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Lauren? I got a couple of things. But uh, I'm surprised that someone didn't catch on him, but he said it himself, the last caller. It could be something that he's eaten. I know he said he eats late, but there could be something that he's eaten and, you know, just not agreeing with him or it's, you know, he, it, it raises his stress. You know, I mean, I, you, I could watch if I eat something, you know, I could watch what it does to my, on my watch, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and as far now, be, uh, the four sigmatic stuff, listen, I could probably be a spokesman for him because <laughs> when I first started doing the, <laughs> I'm serious, Kevin. When I first started doing the, the, uh, the, the, the NDK, I, I, you know, I remember listening to you and then I, I, I got on back when the website and I watched the movie, you know, I, I bought the keto jumpstart thing. I went through, I watched it and then you had the recipes and all. So I started doing that. I started with butter. You know, and then you, then you're like, oh, you can add a little cacao. So I started off with regular cacao. It was great. You know, still had it, butter, cacao, the drops. And then I'm like, oh man, I started noticing. I started getting like feeling like I had gout, and it was the oxalates from all the ch- the cacao. Yeah. I just was putting enough. You know. All right. So I was like, this. I got to lay off it. So I laid off it, and then I started feeling better. But then I'm like, that. I, I missed that flavor. So then I went in the store. And I've seen the Four Sigmatic cacao mix with the, um, the lion's mane and all, or the whatever, the, the, I forget what, the week or whatever one it is. Right. So, perform. So, I started putting that in my coffee with all the other ingredients in it. And boom, it was like, so I've been doing that for years. Now, you, you came up with the Rishi, so now I started doing that at night. And it's... And like you were saying, if it builds up or whatever, it's just that it, it, it if you if you do it in in that way, you, you'll you'll it'll be a, a real lot of routine. But you know you you'll get them in there. Right. But just just 
just and then the Kobe. So anyway, I, as I went, so I was using the bulletproof at first. I'm like, all right, this is great, but I was having problems with my digestion, with this again, disaster pants. Every time I had a cup of coffee, I'm like, something's wrong. So I went on the Fawcett Mag, went and got coffee. I bought it on Amazon because you didn't have it in the store at the time, and I started using the that the the, the, the mushroom coffee. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I was like, all right, now I they had another one for for gut health. I I started switch to that. It's it's all the you know it, that stuff is amazing because you can there's so many things and and again you'll find what fits for you what works right right you know what works for me I, we 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 all know well I shouldn't say we know this but we've sp- talked about it you know everybody's bio they're different you know what I mean something that works for you isn't naturally going to work for me right. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we brought Four Sigmatic in a long, long time ago. I, I was convinced that it worked. There's enough research. Adaptogens are, are part of, um, you know, ancient Chinese medicine, of Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, but I, I didn't understand them enough to realize it has to be a regular thing. You, you've got to be consuming these multiple times a week consistently. And when you do, then you really do start to see the results, and it is pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely! And another thing too is like you, you what, once you, if you, like I said, this and it's a package, and it's like it's it's so easy for in the truck. And again, I'm home every night. I'm lucky to be home. Like I'm home every night, so I can I go to bed, I do my stuff, whatever. I get up in the morning, I, I make my coffee, I throw it in my my. Uh, my knapsack to go to work. I walk out the door, my my lunchbox, and I, that's it. You know, it's there. I get in the truck, I start to drink it. So I'm basically like I said, even a lot of the stuff is like not eating or drinking like before an hour and a half after to get up. That was one. I forget which one you were talk, who you were talking to about that. Like 90 minutes after you get up before you digest like fat or something. I forget who that was you talking to. But anyway, like I said, so it's like a, you know, I don't, I don't get up in the morning like boom, boom, you know, right away. Now, what I don't think, as far as the, the stress protocol, I was doing it that night. You know, I haven't been doing the cold exposure, I have not been doing my my high, but I used to do the X3 bar when I got home. Right. So I'm like, oh, then I get home. I had a long day. I'm like, ah, I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> I know. I, so I started real. So what I did was, you know what, you dumbass, you're gonna get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning. Again, what's fifteen minutes? Exactly. And right. it, I do, I do the, uh, I do the ten minute thing in the morning with the with the X three, and it's done. Excellent. Excellent. So, yep. Now here's one more, another another thing for the store. Those uh, paleo, the uh, the maple fork uh, things oh, should the, be outlawed. The, the, <laughs> the maple bacon pork sticks. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. I'm telling yeah. you, I bought all the sticks that you had. And I got those on my last order, and it's like, I, I, I used to take two of them and have ex, always have an extra one in my, in case I broke down or something happened, I have something I could eat, yeah. and I only have to take one, I can't take two because I'll eat it. <laughs> they, <laughs> it, those, it won't last. The, those are pretty tasty. There's no doubt. Those are good. All right. I'll let someone else get in there. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Lauren, have you tried those yet? No, I haven't tried the pork ones. I definitely have plenty of the beef ones. I love those. I always have some in my purse. <laughs> yeah, wait till you try the maple bacon pork sticks. They are pretty incredible. 
<laughs> I'll have to put it on my list next time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, we're going to go to New Mexico. Sarah, welcome. Hey, I had a couple thoughts, but then I picked up a couple new ones. All right. Um, walk, walking through that show, how you said every plant based is everywhere. Unfortunately, when you look at a lot of the things out there in the natural space, when you look at these products, you don't think plants as in a stalk and some green leaves and maybe some flowers or berries. You look at this product and you think of a factory as in plant-based. Yeah, that's true and too, right. I, I look at these things and I don't see green plants, I see factory plants. Yeah, because you're right. They're all heavily processed foods. Even even stevia, it's it's a it's a fine white powder. Yeah, how did that happen? A little co. Yeah, I was in a co-op in Idaho, and there was a package of stevia. It was just dried green leaves, right? Like most herbs that you, um, you know, maybe. Maybe if you if you need something sweet this this spring, go to the nursery, pick up a couple stevia plants, and grow them in your own garden. Dry them they, and take that on the road with you. And I will tell you, they are very very easy to grow. They grow like weeds. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then there's thoughts on circadian rhythm regulation. I've been doing a lot of reading, and one thing that we can do, no matter what your driving schedule is, if you want to try to rein in your circadian rhythm and hormones a little bit, try intermittent fasting. All you know, just pick twelve hours, or just you know, seven a.m. and seven p.m. is when I'll eat, and I'm not going to eat between the p.m. and the a.m. or if you cross a lot of time zones, like we do go back and forth, go by the sun. I'll eat if the sun's out. I'm not going to eat if it when it's dark. That will actually help your body regulate the circadian rhythm, whether you're driving opposite shifts or not. That's a good point. Um, and a movement thing. I was just re-listening to the book by John Rady and another author, uh, Go Wild. Oh, yeah, I love that one. When he gets to the when he gets to the move chapter, he says, yeah, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. You, you're not going to go to the gym and lose just to lose weight. Some people actually gain weight when they do that. He goes, but there have been many studies done. It is important to move. It doesn't matter what kind of move you do. If you can't afford an X-bar, can't fit that into your schedule, just try and walk more. Heck, I- you know what I'd love to see? Drivers skipping in and out of the truck stops and rest areas. Yeah. Just that you extra know, oomph you, would be... You know, another super simple movement you can do that... I'll give you two. That if two if people just did these two things every day and they don't have to buy anything, they don't have to spend any money and it would take less than five minutes... If people just did one set of push-ups, as many push-ups as they could do every day, and 
just deep knee squats with no weight. If you just did those two things every day, you'd be significantly more healthy. And if you can't do a push-up on the ground, start with your tires. Stick your hands on your tires. There you go. Yep. Uh-oh. Did we lose you? Calls. I think we did. Sarah? Oh, boy. You know what? I'm going to try to put her back in the queue. The call's still there. Let me see. Uh, Angie, is it Angie? Yeah, Angie's screening today. Could you check on? Yeah. Oh, we just lost it. All right. We'll go to another call. Maybe, uh, maybe Sarah can call back. Let's go to Montana. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Laura. Hey, um, Hello. you were talking about uh, your first guest, 13 generations in, uh, in, uh, Russia. The most interesting thing I found out or, or thought about that was them even surviving the Bolsheviks and Stalin. Um, I think they called them kulaks. They, they actually were targeted by Stalin. So that, yeah. you know, I mean, very, very impressive to be there 13 generations, but, uh, I, I can't imagine what that family um, went through. Yeah, you know? So, I know. Uh, that was crazy, you know? Um, uh, and, and I learned a lot. I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the mushrooms and especially the tree mushrooms. Uh, if you can get them on later, that would be, that would be great. Um, and then your, 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 um, your, that, the thing you went to in California, what city was that in? I heard you talking about uh, the city, but I, you didn't say the name. Anaheim. As far as I know. Oh, it was in Anaheim? Yeah. I oh, think okay. I, I, you yeah, know, that's right. I'm not totally familiar with LA and neighborhoods and areas and all that, but Disney was right there. I mean, right across the street from the hotel and the complex we were in there, and I'm pretty sure that's Anaheim. I was born in Walnut right there, not too awful far. And, and I was trying to figure out what canyon you were talking about. You must have been talking about Brea Canyon. No, Tribuco Canyon. Tribuco? Oh, Tribuco. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, that's, a, that's a weird one. Yeah, it's part of uh, Rancho Santa Margarita is, is the town that's right there. And then the canyon is just, there, there's like, one little windy road that leads you down to the canyon. And then once you get in the canyon itself, it's almost all dirt roads. It's just a bizarre place. Yeah, I, it, it had to have started as a hippie town. You're not too far from the beach. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, you're really not too not. far from the beach there either. Right. Yeah, it's a crazy place. Now, your, your, um, your, um, your uh, life straw water bottle, you don't drink through the life straw itself during the day out of your tap water, do you? Well, you can actually drink right through the life straw itself. I mean, that. It, so you can get down on your hands and knees and stick the life straw into a mud puddle and suck water out of it, yeah. No, but you you, you actually, so you put water in your, in, your, in your bottle there and you use the life straw to drink your water? No, the life straw is built into the water bottle. So you fill up the water bottle and right. then just drink out of the bottle like any other water bottle, except it's filtering through the internal life straw. 
Okay. Well, yeah. Well, in your in your area, they did a couple years ago. They were trying to get, I think, it was Nestle up there to bottle that water that goes into the Columbia. The, I, you've got a couple little streams right there. I was on. City, That's right by you. I was on city council when we fought that whole thing, and then finally the um, the Oregon mayor put a kibosh on the whole deal. But yeah, Nestle was trying to, they wanted to bottle our municipal water, our city water. They were going to bottle that for their standard water line, and then they were going to use one of our springs here for their premium water line. Okay, yeah, because... Now, have you? There's a little website up, uh, Find My Spring or something. You've got a ton of springs up there, and I don't hear you talking too much about water, spring water, um, and the minerals and vitamins and micronutrients that are in spring water itself that you can get right out of the ground, you know? Um, do you do that? Do you go fill up water at, at any of your springs locally? I don't because our the water that comes right out of our tap is so darn clean. They don't they don't they don't uh, chlorinize it or or uh, tiny put any shit they, in it. They, every municipal water supply has to use a little bit of chlorine. Um, we use the very minimal right. amount uh, and no fluoride at all. So yeah, our our municipal okay, water okay. is the yeah. best water I've found around the country. Our spring water is even better. Um, so yeah, and right. there are a couple places um, I can think of. One, I think, what is it, twenty six that goes out to the coast, out through Beaverton, and then heads out to the yeah. coast. Yeah, um, yeah. Along the route, there's a pipe that just sticks out of a rock and water flows out of the pipe and you can stop there and fill up containers. And it's like it's super real, clean. Yeah, yeah, water. that's right. Right along the McKenzie right there? Yeah, yep. I think it's the McKenzie River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful area too. Yeah, yeah and that's that's something that I wonder how much, you know, I, I, it certainly can't hurt the, the um, getting different water from different areas because you're going to get different uh, nutrients in right. that water. Yeah, different minerals. So, so yeah, that, you know what I mean. Exactly. Sure, sure, sure. So that 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 certainly can't hurt. All right. Well, thank you very much, my friend. That's that's about what I had. All right. Thanks for the call. Looks like we've got yep. uh, Sarah yep. back. Let me try that line. Sarah, are you there? Yeah, my signal just dropped a little bit there. I wanted to finish that thought on movement. Yeah. What they were talking about is um, the brain and movement. The more you move, no matter what kind of movement it is, the more brain connections your body, your brain makes. I the remember that. The less you that. move, the more you actually lose. So Was sitting still on the couch all day will actually make you dumber. Yes. Wasn't, uh, didn't they also explain a lot about our feet and, and how our feet interacted yeah. with the, the terrain and the fact that even shoes block some of that from occurring? Yes. And you went on into, uh, so people jumped on the bandwagon of the minimalist shoe. Right. But they kept on roads and pavement so they kept having to go to all these foot doctors if you're going to use a minimalist shoe get off the roads and into the rugged terrain 
that our bodies were made to move on. Right. Yeah, that was also the book that uh, talked about persistence hunting, wasn't it? Persistence hunting and sweets, as in um, different different age groups slept at different right. times. So somebody was always awake. Right. And sometimes you would go to you would wake up and do something for a couple hours. You go back to sleep. Um, that's why I enjoyed doing the seven and three split. Because I could yeah. never sleep for 10 hours. And the 7 and 3 split works a lot better for us, even though it's not so good for the circadian rhythm. It actually works better for me. You know, uh, when, I had, I, oh, yeah, when I had my trucks at FedEx, one of my first team runs that I ever bid on was when we first opened the terminal in Orlando. I had an Orlando to Memphis team run. And it was about Mm -hmm. 24 hours was the run. And then you were off for uh, like a half a day or so. And then you went and did it again. And then the final run of the week was what we would call a butthead. Uh, The team would leave Memphis at the same time the team left Orlando and they'd meet in the middle and swap. And then everybody got home for a weekend and we could actually just let one of the team drivers do it. And um, But we broke that. We found the best way to break that run up, that 24 hour run as a team was four on and four off, which was seemed kind of crazy at first. But I actually got to the point where I really enjoyed that. I, I would, you know, driving for four hours was nothing. I mean, that time would just fly by. And then I'd, I'd almost right. nap for like two to three hours of each break. And once I got used to that, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we got the puppy almost uh, a year and a half ago now, that seven hour always almost always gets split in a half with the dog yeah. walk too. So right. we're literally stopping three hours and it, it feels a lot better. I don't, I don't, stumble up out of the chair with lower hips after a 10 Yeah, exactly. And then I had a final thought. That Harris Ranch, um, we we stopped there many times over the years. We stayed at the hotel one time. It's actually a pet-friendly hotel. And they have an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Um, The restaurant is really great. Everything is fresh. And one of their signature... Um, meat cuts is called the baseball baseball cut. It's a really nice tenderloin steak. Oh wow! Uh, really great place. It's just um, I think it's on Highway 33, and it's just west of Lamore, the, the Lamore Naval Air Station. Okay, yeah, I, I it was just a, a great find. You know, there there just aren't that many good places to stop on the interstates. You guys know that. It's the typical garbage most yeah. of the time. And it was just such a nice stop. Every Everything about it, I just really enjoyed. The The building is, is old, but it, it's just stunning the way it was built, the, the tile work, the woodwork, everything about it. But then the food, um, and, and I know it's not totally grass-fed, grass-finished, but it's also not factory meat. I mean, it, it, it's much better than, than most of what you're getting for beef. And 
They're, whoever is doing their smoking knows what they're doing. Really, really nice smoked meats. I was impressed. And it's, it's a great kind of oasis in the desert. It feels it is, like they've yeah. got a lot of shade, flowers, and fountains. It's a great place to just stop and walk your dog during the day. Yeah, and then it, one of the other things that I did while we were at the exit, um, I am, you know, I'm so kind of obsessed with my garden and growing things. One of the other things I have always been fascinated by and just love are bonsais. Absolutely just love uh-huh. that whole, I, I've been to some really cool bonsai gardens where some of them are like 150 years old. And I, I've just always been fascinated by that. So I bought a bonsai once and tried to learn how to grow it and trim it and take care of it. And there, there's a lot to learn. Um, I left that plant with somebody to take care of it once and it died. So that was my first. Then my second, oh. I tried again and it was after we moved here and I got one and I had kept it a couple years and it was growing and I was doing really good with it. But we were going on a trip and I really couldn't take it with me. One of our neighbors, actually they're from Vietnam and he was like a bonsai expert. Like at one point in his life, that was his job. Um, So I left it with him. And while I was gone, he moved. (laughs) And he took my bonsai and I've never seen it again. So um, I, I, since I've been into the gardening and I've learned so much about soil and growing things, I thought, all right, third time's the charm. I'm going to give this one more shot. There was a, a Asian guy there on the side of the road selling bonsais and he had some really nice ones. So I picked up a couple bonsais. I'm getting ready to attempt it again. Yes, that, that truck is almost always there during the daytime. Is it really? Okay. So maybe, maybe if these two, I bought two of them, a, a pretty good size, pretty mature tree and then a, a younger one. If these work out, I know where I can go back then. Yep. And I can so get some good brisket. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for yeah. the call. And when you, when you, Lauren, if you get good brisket, you know, everything else is going to be good. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's my favorite thing when I get barbecue. We have a lot of barbecue around here though. You do. Florida does. Florida no. really has a lot of barbecue. Yeah, Florida. It does. Yeah. Here we have almost none. There is there is almost oh, really? no barbecue in Oregon whatsoever. Wow! I know it. I, I, I guess close to the south. I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, you know, maybe we have way too many vegans here. Might be the problem. <laughs> yeah, that might be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be a part of it. Um, I. I love barbecue, especially now, since I'm, you know, so into carnivore and meat. It's, you know, I can open up my smoker and throw enough food on there for a week all in one shot. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Yeah. All right, let's grab another call. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Lauren. What's on your mind today? Well, I put a question on the Healthy Tribe, and I don't know if you guys even seen any of the late last night. Caffeine. 
I am pretty sure that I do have renal fatigue because I get the lightheadedness. I get mountain out of molehill syndrome back in the winter, and I finally decided to hell with that. So that's gone. I made it go away. I ain't doing that no more. Panic attack scared the snot out of me. Yeah. That uh, panic attack scared me to death. Um, so anyway, all I do, caffeine-wise, is one and sometimes two. I would say about a 16-ouncer in that area, uh, either Folgers from home or the one from Love's, whatever that is. Okay. Is that enough to screw up the adrenal fatigue? Obviously, zero would probably be better, but how much does it take to screw it up? That could be enough. It depends. I, yeah, Lauren's right. There's so many variables here, but here's what I would say. I do believe that we can consume uh, 16 ounces, may be about the max. We can consume that without any real negative consequences, but I do think that you've got to give yourself a break from it. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I think that taking a week off or even a month off or alternating days for a while or something to give your body a break from the caffeine, especially when you're in the place that you're in, where we're, we're fighting the stress levels already, any little bit of caffeine is going to keep you in that mode. So I, I think for everybody, it, it's a good idea to take a total break from caffeine. And when I say total, that, that, that decaf Rishi coffee from Four Sigmatic has a tiny little bit, but it's the proper decaf method. It's the Swiss, Swiss water method, so it's healthy. Um, I think everybody should take a break from caffeine. And I, I actually think 30 days is, is you, it, you're still resetting things, you know, in that, that last week or so when you do a 30-day. So what I would say to you is I would take a break from it, at least move to a decaf and that four sigmatic decaf is awesome because it's got Rishi. Um, I I would get away from caffeine for 30 days. And then when you go back, you can go back to that 12 or 14 ounce or maybe even 16 ounce cup. But I think that's about the most we should be consuming. Okay. I agree. Go ahead, Lauren. And Herschel, I, I did respond to it, but it was it wasn't until this morning. Um, well, I haven't been also, on there today, so <laughs> no worries. You should also know that the negative effects on your adrenals are amplified when you're having coffee on an empty stomach. And you mentioned that you drink it black, correct? Oh yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why we promote the nutrient dense, you know, bulletproof coffee is because you're adding good fats in there. Um, if, you know, even if you're, even if you're drinking black and having it with a meal, then Look, the effects on your adrenals are completely different. It doesn't hit you as hard. Lauren, you, you, it's okay. a really good point. And I love really strong black coffee. So when I make my, <laughs> you know, NDK coffee, I have to brew really strong coffee because all that fat tends to cover that up. Once in a while, I'll just yeah. crave that taste and I'll drink a cup of black coffee. It gives me the jitters. Mm-hmm. Yes, same. 
Yeah, yeah, I get. I, so, uh, I, I feel it now. If I try to drink a, a cup of black coffee, I really feel it, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and I actually say that in my response that personally, if I I cannot handle the black coffee on an empty stomach, and I will get the jitters. That is how I know immediately. But if you are used to doing that, you may not feel the jitters. Your body may be so used to that feeling that you don't, you no longer notice it. So a lot of people say, well, I don't get jittery. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's still good for you. Okay. So when I get home in the afternoon, I've tried the, uh, a four sigmatic decaf (laughs) and I don't know about anybody else. When I get home before I goof around, do too much stuff for some reason, I go in, kick back in the easy chair so it's a chair I don't have to steer for a little while and drink a cup of that stuff. Ah, zonk. I'm out. I pass out every time I drink that stuff. You say it takes a while. Well, I don't know about that. I've drank it twice and it did it to me both times. (laughs) Pass out in the chair. Go to sleep for about a half hour. (laughs) There you go. That sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that, is that bad? I mean, am I too sensitive to it? I mean, I don't know. Uh, no. I wouldn't really worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, there's one of the things that can happen with stimulants, and coffee, caffeine is a stimulant. I Don't people find it odd that when we take something like ADHD, um, hyperactivity is the H. Why do we give those kids a stimulant? You would think <laughs> we would give them Xanax, right? Does, does, yeah. Doesn't that seem odd that we take a kid who's hyperactive and we give them a stimulant and it's because it calms them down? It, it's almost mm-hmm. like it, it, you, you push them past the point. They can't be stimulated anymore. And if you try to stimulate them, it actually calms them down. Yep. Okay. I had a thing that right, well. when my sleep got really bad, I, I had pushed on way too many things and I was biohacking and I found out I was taking way too much B12 and Um, I would get to this point at about seven o'clock at night where I was so restless and I had so much energy that there was no way I was ever going to go to sleep. And what would fix it would be caffeine. I I would take caffeine at six or seven o'clock at night and it would calm me right down. Oh, that's weird. It's not a good sign either. That that's a sign that you have pushed way too far. Um, so it worked. It actually improved my sleep, but it took it from the worst it could possibly be and just made it a little better. It felt like an improvement, but what I really needed was to get away from the caffeine completely, break the stress, build my stress resilience. Uh, and then I would fix those problems. The caffeine just became another short-term crutch. Okay. Well, I'll leave you alone so you can get somebody else. All right. Thanks for the call. Good stuff, as always. Um, we don't have any other calls. So, Lauren, anything you want to wrap this up with? 
Um, just a quick mention that today at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I will be doing a after hours live and that is done on destination health. And then we post it on Facebook. And last week we did an overview of the most discussed dietary protocols that we have here at destination health. And for the next four or five, I will be diving deeper into each one. So today we're going to talk about the paleo diet. Excellent. All right. That sounds good. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up then. Um, I will see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow's just a free for all. Not sure what's going on yet. Friday, we'll give you an update on that. Uh, let me go check. Was I supposed to have any announcements today? Oh, we did release the second episode of the mini series with Sally K. Norton on oxalates. That is released. You can listen to that on the app now. Um, when I think that's about it. Um, all right. We'll wrap this up, Lauren. One more time. When, when can people watch you and how? That's at Destination Health. I'll be going live at 3 p.m. Eastern time today, and it will be posted again on Facebook a little later. Excellent. So HealthyTribe.com, check it out. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.